Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DeathDoorProds.com, comic book podcast, the final podcast for comics of 2016. As always, I'm your host, the Dead Man. Joining today, we have Barty. Hi. And Nico. Hello. The Civil War, of course, is happening. <laughs> oh, God. It continues to uh, exist. Dead man. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's... The only reason that there is a problem is because of fucking Carol and Tony. Yep. And based on the previews I've seen of the next issue, that's quite literally true. Now, fucking in this issue, so for those who haven't been keeping a lot, for those who haven't been keeping up, <laughs> sorry, Civil, Civil War Two. <laughs> yeah, so for those who, for those who haven't been reading along, Civil War Two is about an inhuman who is terrigenesized, who has the ability to see into the future. He predicts the future with like stupid accuracy, and so, and so the world, so the world of superheroing is then split down the middle, but literally not really, uh, to the sides of Carol, who wants to use his predictive justice in order to go out there and stop crimes and shit, and Tony, who's like, um, the future doesn't exist, so you can't see it, so you think he's owning something else, which he is. He's taking into stupid amounts of information and then creating a creating a best guess in his head and then projecting that out to the world. And so that has gotten a bunch of superheroes in a tizzy, which is to say about seven of them. The rest of them don't want Dick to do with this fucking bullshit until they are pulled into the main issue. Mm-hmm. Like fucking in... Goddamn, uh, Luke in Power Man and Iron Fist. Both Luke and Danny and Danny Rand are just like, no, we don't want any part of this. Just fucking stop right. it, please. We just want to do our fucking jobs. <laughs> I and know, then you, and I've enjoyed those. those yeah, good. and then you go into the and then you go into the fucking issue five or six or whatever, and Luke Cage is very vocally on Tony's side, fighting the Blue Marvel over it. Ah, uh, for fuck's sake! That's because that's Bendis's Luke Cage. Like, fuck. Like, does he not care about any mandates of the characters in their own books? Fuck no. Because <laughs> if that was the case, then the big climactic battle at the Triskelion or fucking whatever would be, again, like, the, it would be about the size of the airport fight in fucking Aveng- Captain America Civil War. Mm. And you can't have that. This is a comic book, goddammit. They need to outdo the movies. Otherwise, they have no reason to exist. Uh... Other than as IP forums. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going to be mentioning something similar to the the, t- the fact of the uh, comics and, and, and the TV side of things later on as well. So I'll, I'll save that for later. Yeah, so in that big <laughs> climactic fight, uh, it is – there's a vision that is, get, that is shown to every hero at the big fight – that shows Spider-Man, Miles Morales, standing on the steps of the Senate building or the White House or whatever. I think it's the Senate building. 
Yeah, he's standing on the steps. It's the Capitol building. Capitol so building. Okay, fucking whatever. I don't I don't know what the fucking buildings are. I don't even know what my <laughs> own country's buildings are. <laughs> I know one of them has a clock on it. What does Ottawa look like? Uh, a city. <laughs> hey, what's that uh what's that large pointy building in Toronto? <laughs> you know what the one at the point and uh, some sort of a tower. I know, Space Needle. <laughs> yeah. So one that looks like the one from Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the Canada wow. arm. I know that. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, it shows Miles Morales standing on the steps of that building, holding a dead Captain America with a fucking giant pole bursting out the fucking chest. Naturally, Carol is like, hey, you're under arrest, spider person, for a crime you haven't committed. And then at that point, everybody except Captain America, no, everybody everybody there except Captain Marvel, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Maria Hill were like, yeah, just let the kid go, fuck it. Yeah, but the first Civil War proved you can't trust Maria Hill's judgment. <laughs> oh, fuck, no. She is terrible. And I, for some reason, I thought the subsequent years had cured her of that, but <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, you're right, Bertie. There was a point where they kind of actually built her back up as a, a good character, but then once again, one of these events rolls around, and yeah. or at least <laughs> someone who was sort of aware of her own shortcomings. Definitely, yeah. yeah but then, no, but then, but then the right. event rolls Which is around funny and... because because as I recall, the new Avengers issue at the end of Civil War, where she pointed out her own flaws to mm. Tony, was written by Bendis. <laughs> And then she, he also, Bendis also wrote her when she showed up uh, during his X-Men run. Like, there was that whole thing where, like, Dazzler was working for them. And oh, fuck. Poor Dazzler. Yeah. No, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> there, there's an X-Men character I kind of like who's been really fucked over by... Everyone. In comics, it's Dazzler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, again, like, no one was using her. So, like, the fact that he chose to use her well, for that... Well, other than uh, they... They had Mystique kidnap her and replace her for several months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. keep that her in a fucking Bendis. hotel room in Madripoor, draining her blood in order to steal mutant growth hormone yeah. from it. Then she became a scene kid. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, but yeah. Marvel I, Comics. He, I, fucking over the mutants <laughs> since before they didn't own them. I didn't mind when he, she, he was writing her during that. Um, cause he actually writes at times, I felt like in Maria Hill, but like you said, she's okay at the best of times, but like, again, it sounds like she's become annoying and yet another civil war. She, she's going back to the to period during the new Avengers where aliens were attacking the hell carrier and Spider-Man was pointing this out to her and all she wanted to know is what does, uh, house of M mean? <laughs> Oh, honey. Even Nico doesn't know what House of M means, and he read that book. <laughs> I did a while ago, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Miles Morales on the steps of the big white building that's important in Washington. One of the, like, five of them. Then Cotton America shows up, and the two of them have a very... Kind of awkward, but very civil conversation about what happened and what could or happen. To be fair, about what they th- yeah, what they think might happen. Yeah, neither of them neither neither of them thinks it actually would happen. 
like yeah. Miles, like Miles is very much like I would never kill anybody. Captain America is like I do not think he would ever kill anybody. He seemed like a good kid. Uh, then Cat Marvel shows up and tries to just grab him. Just yeah. like, just well, like. I mean, to be fair, hey, if I'm going to take you. Issue, I think was what she said was like, look, it, where Marie Hill's like, look, can't we just um teleport him against his will out of there? It's like I tried that. I, I thought of that, but he's got spider sense, so we can't do that. It's like. Fucking hell, Carol. Yep, yep, straight up. That is straight up what happens. But then she fucking, she try, she, god damn it, she she thinks. She thinks she's the good guy. Yeah, yeah. The same way Tony Stark did in the first. Yeah, yeah, because uh, what, because fucking, what he goddamn does well, what she does is she calls off the cops. Like, the cops are there holding their guns, and I'm ready to shoot him because he's a fucking masked person who just fucking appeared on the steps of this fucking building. Well, yeah, on the steps of the American Capitol building. <laughs> so naturally, the cops are going to be a bit miffed. Uh, she then gets the cops to stand down, comes down and says, hey, I got them to do this. Now come with me. It's like, I got them to not arrest you. Let me arrest you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of like those Republican talking heads who are like, "We gave you the right to free speech. Now shut up." <laughs> yeah. So have they ruined completely ruined this character for you guys? Now I know how much how big uh, fans you guys are I, of Captain Marvel. Yep, yep. We, prior to I, this. I she got super fucked in this. I, I, Even the first arc to this new series that she had was fun. I had read it. The one where she's like part of Alpha Flight and stuff. And then they just took a hard left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, it was, it was like, hard it was right. like fine yeah, things. She was just like, she was just like a really fun character who was doing all this fun space shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, whoops, Rhodey's dead and fucking She-Hulk's in a coma. Better go be a dick. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's like issue five arcs done, issue six, Civil War. And all of a sudden, she turns into a fucking asshole. I was like, what? I just dropped the book after that. I'm like, I'm not reading this. She turns shit. into blonde Maria Hill. <laughs> Actually, yes, her face is incredibly similar. So anyway, so anyway, yeah, she flies down and says, Hi, I call the cops away. Now let me arrest you so things don't get ugly. She then tries to grab him, at which point a force field just fucking pops up because Tony Stark is hiding. Well, not hiding. Yeah, and well in in his in his words, he was not hiding. He was giving her one last chance. Yeah, but also, it, it, is that kind of like what you were describing when we were doing the riff last week, where if you're off-panel, you don't exist? Basically, because he's... Because an, I, I, I saw the size of his Iron Man armor that he's approaching her with. You can't hide that. Uh, no, you cannot. It's the size of Hulkbuster armor covered in red lightning. And there isn't, like, a fucking forest or an underground network of tunnels underneath the fucking Capitol building for him to hide. And he's coming from above her. So unless he was actually invisible, like Which, masking yeah, I everything, built, I know he's built stealth tech, but I don't think you can hide that much. Like yeah, usually, no. when Tony builds stealth tech into his Iron Man suits. He has to go for a much sleeker design. Yeah, like <laughs> taking the war machine armor and making it look like what people think the military industrial complex is. That's not really conducive to hiding. Yeah, so they get into a big fight. Uh, Tony starts firing missiles at the Capitol building. 
Of course. Uh, then, yeah, and so Spider-Man's, like, standing there freaking out, like, on the force field, like, please fucking stop, you idiots. And then Carol... This is literally pointless. Yes, this Wait, is literally is this Miles? what... Yeah, Miles, Miles Spider-Man? Yeah, Miles is all... This, this is all about Miles. Peter Parker is fucking off somewhere being a dick to a car vendor. <laughs> That's not wrong. <laughs> Listen, you asshole, I'm rich now. <laughs> so, and so, Tony yeah, Stark's he, trying to be Captain America, so I might as well be Tony Stark. Yeah, it's a while, and so then they're all in the middle of fighting, and then Carol, seemingly out of nowhere... Just fucking did, did, energy did, did, punches a hole through his chest that blows out the back of the Iron Man suit. Yeah, it looked like she Kali mod him. <laughs> uh, like she didn't cl- pull it back out, but <laughs> it's closer close. to if she Kamehameha him from fucking point blank range. Because <laughs> we can see the fuck. We, there's like an energy ball around her hand, and then another energy ball coming out of the back of him. Yeah. And then we see, you know, shocked and horrified Captain America face and then fucking stone cold Miles Morales mask. Because he can't really emote through a mask anymore. Yeah, particularly not that mask. Like, if you have a black mask on, the most, like, I think he, this was apparent in Spider-Man's original symbiote costume. The most he could really emote with the mask on was through the eyes. <laughs> Yeah, and this is David Marquez art, and and while his art is fucking phenomenal, uh, it doesn't do a great job at expressing emotion with something that doesn't have a face. Yes, sure, yeah, no, I, that's true. Like you need a bit more of an exaggerated art style. You need something that uh, goes a bit more into right. the cartoony aspects of it in order to have the just fucking blank, non-moving, Absolutely. featureless face have emotion. Yeah, because because yeah, if, if all of a sudden, because like if all of a sudden. Yeah, like fucking the Spider-Man eyes in the costume just fucking doubled in size and went complete circles. That would just look out of place. Mm-hmm. So instead, it's <gasps> from Captain America and just nothing. How has he dealt? I mean, I'm sure it, ha- it still does look good because I've seen him work with Bendis prior to this. But um, how has he dealt with a lot of these uh, constant? Bendisy conversation pages where everyone's just talking heads for like pages. Uh, like they've it, all they've it, all it, still they've all still been great. Like they that like yeah, they have okay. they have had fucking great backgrounds, great like character design, decent panel layout and everything. It's all been working really well and still keeping me interested. Like this is the only reason that I am still reading it outside right. of professional responsibility. I find like I say it a lot on on the show, and I try to defend the fact of maybe books that aren't um, doing that well, or I'm digging that much uh, because of the art. And as you guys uh, usually point out, it's usually not the art that's the problem. I find a lot of good artists still get put on shitty books um, because they're the ones that are big sellers. Oh yeah, fucking Jim Lee's been getting. How many? How many shows? How many? Like from our bad list. Yeah, like I think the only one from the good to bad and to fuck that didn't have particularly good art was Civil War. <laughs> but even yeah. then, like not like I, I, di- well, I didn't that I Mc- didn't hate was, it. Was that was that McNiven? Yeah, I think it was. Or... I think it was McNiven. Like 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 faces, yeah. like faces were sometimes a bit fucky, but other yeah. than that, it still I think worked generally I, well. I, I was about to say I would probably take McNiven now than to McNiven then because I think he's actually gotten a lot better. 
in the, that time because that civil war was a long time ago right like yeah. how many years back is that now because i um, think he's gotten much better now than he was at that time but it was long enough to justify a sequel yeah i guess well <laughs> which, which to be uh, fair yeah. which to be fair the length the length to justify a sequel is now negative five hours <laughs> right. yeah um no but it's just disappointing what i'm trying to say is just disappointing because a lot of the times i want to enjoy a lot of these things that these artists are doing but uh i definitely feel that me like most people uh you definitely uh, uh, want story over art it's hard to enjoy a story even if the art is really good if the story is really really bad you know what i mean like obviously that the artist is also half part the storyteller. It needs to be a balance. Duties. Yes, absolutely. But I'm just saying, for me at least, I will always check out something for an artist I enjoy, but if the story is not enough to keep me there, I normally will not st- stick with it, which is a shame because, like, uh, you know, it's not fair. It's not, it's not that it's not fair. I mean, at least as long as you guys are getting the sales, whatever, I'm sure they don't give a shit. But, um, I, you know, it, it's, 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 that's why it's nice to see a lot of these creator owned books where the, the artist and the writer come in it together as a shared team where they're like, where they'll create one, uh, vision. You know what I mean? Like one thing where they're both very proud of what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. Like an event. Yeah. So, you know, like something like Remender does with his artists, I feel. But yeah. Like, yeah. I I just feel bad for these guys working on fucking contract for these companies. Well, listen, they got to make a living, right? I'm just, you know, I I know know they have to make a living. I know this is work. Yeah, it's work for hire, right? But still, they're creators, dude. They're artists. Yeah, yeah. As as much as I know that, like, artists can't live off goddamn positive vibes and the good energy of the universe just because, like, hey, I made good art, so now I can live... Like I, I know, I know intellectually that isn't what happened, but that that isn't what happens. But there's still a part of me that feels like that. So every time I see like an amazing artist on some piece of shit book, I'm just like, yeah. oh god, honey, you don't have to do this. I know food is important, but come on, mm-hmm. you you can draw from that fucking cardboard box you've been living in when you can't pay rent. <laughs> the Hero Initiative is here for a reason. Nothing on that. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> it did take me a second. It was delayed. Yes, yes, that's the one that uh, that supports artists that are. Yeah, they can't support themselves. Yes, that was a good one. Yes, <laughs> sorry, a little delayed. And if you, the folks tired. at home, want to want to find out the origin of that joke, please go to <laughs> heroinitiative.org and consider donating. It- yeah, I've I've encountered artists sometimes at shows uh, that I've been to before that actually, uh, in lieu of their sketches, if they're not charging too much, they'll uh, usually put a um, a canister out, like um, like and collect like a the tip money jar that they would. Yeah, yeah, pretty much um, a little jar that will say Hero Initiative on it, and sometimes even people will charge. Um, you know, a buck or two for their signatures just to raise money for the hero initiative, which usually I'm against people charging for their signatures. But if it's something for that, I can understand. Yeah. Like, but, like, uh, like if it's like, Hey, yeah. pay me to sign this thing for you or Hey, we're raising money for a good cause. So help out if you would. Oh, you just see sometimes these dicks that show up to the show with like a hundred comics for somebody to sign. 
and you know these, these people have long lines as it is and then some asshole comes up with their their whole fucking collection like every comic bendis has ever written or something you know what i mean like, yeah like, no that's don't great if, if you <laughs> if you're if you're going there to meet creators don't do that just bring like what just bring like you know three of your favorites and then they get them to sign those right. and move on Right, that's what I do. But I've learned my like I've seen that and I've experienced that standing in the line at a show one time to get my stuff signed by somebody where somebody has done that and the artist actually at least had enough sense to say, Okay, that's fine, buddy, I'll sign all your stuff. But do you mind letting these few people that are behind you ahead of you, which only have a few things and I can get them out of the way? Like he actually said that. And I was I forgot who it was, which artist was, but uh, it was very nice of him to say that just because, you know, it's you know it's taking advantage of the situation sometimes with these guys. So I yeah, understand if why I, some people. If I were to ever go to a convention where I could beat an artist, I would just bring like the fucking like a, like the fucking trade, the first trade of the of a thing they worked on, get them to sign it, or like if they or like a limited run series, just like bringing the fucking things. Like I like I'd bring in like fucking all three trades of goddamn Luther Stroh to get Trad Moore to sign them. Sure. Yeah, and, but, and that means. But then I wouldn't fucking. Books, but I. Yeah. But I wouldn't fucking bring in all like eighteen issues and say, "Hey, could you sign all these?" By the way, could you also sign everything you did for fucking Ghost Rider? <laughs> right. It's so. like I'll wait. Just stand there with a fucking like garbage can full of comics to get signed. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I feel like yeah. we're off topic. Yeah, okay. let's, let's get back on topic. Civil War Two was a <laughs> load of horse cum. That's why I didn't want to get back. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So what issue is this? Six? Uh, seven. 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 One so left. one more. One there, more. there is one so- more left until that issue gets delayed by three months. Then they announce they're adding a ninth issue. <laughs> I had a new ending in mind. That <laughs> much better yeah, ending, guys. Yeah. We, we, I, took in <laughs> I, some of the, I took in some of the feedback from, you know, the fans out there who said things like this was a load of horse cum and realized that I could rework the ending in order to give them the story that they wanted. So we're adding three more issues to the run, and they've all been delayed by nine years. We we got the check-in for issue seven, and we thought, you know what? <laughs> Let's do one more. Yeah. What's you already one? know Tony Stark is dead, but do you know the process by which he was autopsied? I bet you don't, and I bet you want to. Find out in Civil War Two: The Autopsy. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a packing issue that comes with yeah. comes Civil War 2, issue 12. It's a bi-weekly series starting at four ninety nine. <laughs> yep, and okay, while that's being released, don't forget to check out Civil War three issue one. Oh god! Some of the Avengers wanted a vegetarian pizzas, but the rest of them wanted meat pizza. Oh, what's going to happen now? Did you? Um, speaking of events, did you see that? Even though it's a year late. For God knows what reason, the explanation of the death of Cyclops and the uh, Inhumans versus X Men, even though that series is the just death ended, of X, yeah, still going. There's now there's ne- no. That's what I was about to say. They just wrapped up the five issue mini of that, and now they're <laughs> going into an I- IVX event for the next three months along eight different crossing into eight eight different titles. I, I have to side on the on the side of you guys always, especially Birdie always talked to shit about the X Men at this point. It is fucking horrible. I haven't I haven't enjoyed an X Men or an Avengers book in the last over a year or two now. They it's, want it's us to care about the Inhumans so much. I know, I know. They're showing up in every fucking book now. It seems. It. I, I don't know what happened. Marvel is really fucking sad. sad. Uh, yeah. 
I, I, I don't give a shit about them. Like, they keep trying to shove it down our throats, and I don't want it. Like, they've been demoted to a TV series now. Like, it's not even like they have a movie. Yeah, right? just, hey, like just, the- hey, you got a fuck, you got a fucking spin-off series from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You'll be airing fucking Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Yeah. Fuck Anyways. you. <laughs> Pretty much. By the way, the entire series will be about Medusa and will not feature, and will not feature Lockjaw at all. Is there any rumors about uh, a Ms. Marvel, though, in the oh, show? Oh, I don't fucking know. She's too good, hmm. I think. Yeah, I don't. I would rather her not show up. Her and Lockjaw <laughs> are going to be fucking making appearances on the goddamn Avengers animated series. Well, they, will they be fucking great? Or whatever. Uh, Ugh, fuck. Yeah. Events. You won't be hearing this hate again until 2017, people. <laughs> we'll be ringing in the new year at the conclusion of Civil War. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> fucking, new Year's, fucking New Year's Eve. There's going to be a there's gonna be his news coming out saying, Hey, guys, so just, wa- just really sad to let you know that we're going to be pushing back the ending of Civil War 2 until March. Uh, at that point, every book where we reveal Tony Stark is dead will be out. And yeah. Yeah. Also, Rhodey's not dead. So you're saying he didn't die at the end of this issue. He's, so he's still not dead in this issue. Based or, on what I saw of the preview from the first, from the last issue, no, he's not dead yet. Okay. Yeah, he's gonna. Well, the, the issue, this is, it's gonna be an issue of him dying, and he'll be dying saying, "I was right," and the Carol like, "Fuck, he was right, wasn't he?" Well, to be fair, I know that in the other books, when they were going to talk about later as well, um, they mentioned that he's gone. But have they ever have they ever used the word dead as of yet? I think they have, right? I'll be talking a bit about it later in the show. Yeah, but there okay, was a bit. Fair enough. There was a more important bit, probably the most important bit, where he popped up post Civil War Two, and yes, he said, at the end of, yeah, yeah, and he said." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, should my body ever become incapacitated and I am not able to do what I need to do? Right. Ta-da, bitch. I've, I'm pink. You're, you're talking at the end of that one that you're going to talk about, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was so, Civil War too. <laughs> yeah. Birdie. Fucking shit show. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about something that has a movie coming out that'll be a shit show soon? Um, that fucking Alpha 5 design? Okay, look, I know you want to talk about Power Rangers, but I need that to put me in a good mood after the book I just read. So, um... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, fair enough. Yeah, I, I would rather not follow, <laughs> follow up that with the Civil War. Let's, let's keep Dude, going. I need a palate shit. cleanser. Well, yeah, let's just keep going. Let's get all the shit books out of the way first. How <laughs> that? Well, it's not necessarily that this is a shit book. It's just that this book... Uh, <laughs> I, okay, so... Have either of you heard of The Victories? The, the Victories. Uh, I think so. Is oh, that the Michael on Omen? Yvonne Omen. Yeah. yeah, his creator-owned, written, and and drawn book. Yeah. I think you talked about it before, actually, a long time ago. Yeah. I've never read it before. Uh, I, so talk, I think I've talked about it before. Did you okay. talk about it? Okay, someone did. I know that. Okay. Does the, I read the first five issues, and fuck. 
That bad? Not that bad, just horrible idea for a lead-in. <laughs> okay, so the this is very much a Frank Miller comic book world by way of Brian Michael Bendis' writing style in um, Powers. Yeah, that 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 is a very good way of putting it. I just remembered. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. That that, so that fucking there's jackal hooker punching. So the first thing you see, <laughs> the first criminal act you see is a guy dressed as a jackal beheading a corrupt judge and drugging hmm. his wife so that she'll be paralyzed as she watches whatever the fuck he does to the corpse. Wow. Is Bravo he dressed like a jackal ex- or is he a jackal? I can't remember. He's dressed like a jackal. He's okay. dressed like a jackal. Bravo on that breakdown of a cross between Frank Miller and Bendis, Bendis Power stuff because, yeah, that pretty much sounded exactly like what I would expect from those two properties. Oh, they, also, you know, I, I, feel I, sh- I feel I should say uh, just when we say he, he's dressed like a jackal, we mean an actual jackal? Yeah, like full on like jackal. He looks like an anthropomorphic jackal. Wolves. And wears no underpants. So not the jackal from Spider-Man. No. No, he is okay. neither green nor wearing a shitty Egyptian mask. <laughs> not the new jackal. Fuck <laughs> that one. Yeah. I meant the old one. Uh, this actual, like, you know, creature. That is why sort. I said he was not green. <laughs> uh, Egyptian mask jackal. But, Sorry. Yeah, so... <laughs> He's too late to stop the murder of the judge, obviously, but before anything bad can happen to the wife, uh, one of the victories, Faustus, shows up, so named because, as his teacher put it, he fights like the devil. So this guy is basically, if you combine Daredevil with Iron Fist, because he does have glowing energy powers. Yep. And it, he defeats the Jackal right away, and the Jackal's one of those... He's basically a like if the Punisher was more of a sadist. He's like... The thing about humanity is people lie, and if things are bad, they need to die. Why are you... You know things are bad, but you won't kill them. That makes you as much of a hypocrite as the people who are corrupt. So, fuck you. That's basically the Jackal's whole thing. <sighs> And the the rest of the five issues play out kind of unevenly because um, so like there's a there's a bank robbery involving a guy who is um, a touch telepath where if he touches you he can read like surface level thoughts. So empath. I guess I, I'm. Just, I, I think that's what he usually made, is. His powers are not made especially clear in the first five issues. And in the course of stopping the robbery, uh, Faustus grabs him and the guy touches him. And not only does he see what is in Faustus's mind, but brings back into Faustus's mind what happened to him and why his uh, his former friend slash uh, partner, the Strike, is now addicted to a drug called Floater. Which sounds like a shit joke, but seems to actually literally make you float through the air, kind of like that comic Fly, if either of you remember that. I do not. Okay, well. Yeah, maybe only I read that. Um, oh, yeah, was, I, I, I forgot. I forgot that was a Chinese superhero named Didi Mao. Yeah, and she runs into battle screaming Didi Mao. Yeah. Ah. Uh. 
Like, some of it's funny. Uh, I like, and uh, of course, Avon Oming's character designs are always very distinctive. Uh, clearly, he's spent enough time around Bendis that he can somewhat decently imitate Bendis' style, but he doesn't necessarily have the same breadth of wit or depth of character that Bendis' characters have in this kind of book. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that made it hard for me to talk about this book. Because, like, this again, this is the first first book on an ongoing superhero series. And it turns out um, that Faustus, his teacher, the Mark, is a sort of like a Iron Fist sensei-type teacher, and it's shown that at some point during the training and martial arts process, he quote-unquote, leaves a mark on you that gives you superpowers. And it's heavily implied that um, the method of providing the mark is akin to sexual assault. What? And worse, he usually gives the mark to underage minors. Ugh. Uh, one, yeah. underage minors, kind of redundant. Uh, two, there's a reason all his students wear turtlenecks. Hmm. Sexual assault jokes. Yeah. Well, that's <clears throat> that's why when you when you had mentioned like it's somewhere in the vein of of powers. Powers had a lot of very crude type crimes within the pages of of their work as well. I found like. Um, like yeah, but they also they, they Powers yeah. was a little better at letting you get invested and liking these characters before they pull True. True. Something like this. Mm-hmm. The dark shit you need to walk a fine line with the dark shit. It takes a particular kind of writer to get that yes. just right. What Bendis has it. Trying yeah, to emulate right. Bendis, you will not get that. Well, that, well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Michael Avon Olming is more so, at least from what he's... He's actually done a lot of writing credits, too, actually. That's just true. But I'm sure he's more so a better artist than writer, uh, I would think. So maybe he's not the type of writer that was able to approach these things. Maybe he came off of Powers working with Bendis and, and was in that same type of mindset where he's like, I can do something like this. But it didn't quite click as well with this property. I don't know. But uh, I, I haven't read it. So is that what you're trying and to say? So like, like yeah. the end of the, at the end of the story, basically the jackal escapes from prison, and because he uh, ended up in jail in the same cell as the the psychic that found out about what happened to Faustus, uh, he basically uses this as a devil's bargain setup, as it were, where he says, "Look, either I'm going to kill you regardless." But to show how shitty the city is, I want you to kill the Mark. And because I know you want to, given what happened to you and what happened to your friend because you tried to laugh off what happened to you. And Faustus at first agrees and proceeds to beat the ever-living shit out of the Mark, but he refuses to kill him, which pisses the Jackal off and ends in a fight where, I guess in a, a, a perceived moment of redemption, the Mark tries to save... Uh, Faustus by striking Jackal and gets beheaded in the process. Jackal and and at this point 
because the building's on fire after Jackal shot it with a rocket launcher, the floor collapses, and Jackal and Faustus foul, Faustus fall, and but Faustus wakes up in jail, but uh, no one's seen Jackal, and of course the Mark is dead. But now Faustus is stuck with this position of having all of this hatred and anger that he has a no target to direct to and b confusion over the fact that the guy he hated tried to save his life at the end so and and, and then one of the other victories comes forward with this saying okay so we've all been dicks because we didn't know this had happened to you and we would have should have been there for you once we knew but yeah no fucking kidding but um Basically, they say, okay, so you're in jail right now, but we, you have two options in order to deal with what happened to you. Either A, put your costume back on and try to save the city, or B, take this new identity we crafted for you, complete with cash and a house somewhere else, and just try to leave it all behind. And the last image of the fifth issue, which ends the arc, is him with both bags in his hands and no costume on, so it's unclear what's going to happen. I'm assuming he picks his costume since there is an ongoing series, but who knows? Well, with friends like that, who wouldn't want to be a superhero? Yeah. So, like I said, it's... I mean, you've read Powers, Nico, and... Yeah. Since you've read Powers, you know how dangerous it is to try to imitate powers yeah i mean even even as as the power series went on i felt um yeah it was care (laughs) yeah like i feel that the the first few volumes of powers were were probably the best that the the series was and then it just slowly kind of like i wouldn't say it was bad but it just it wasn't as good as it was when it for series first started like i would say at least three quarters of the series was really good and then the rest of it it's kind of like you jumped the shark a little bit in terms of quality but um but yeah it it is a touchy thing in order to do and i think when bendis wrote that initially he was probably at the top of his game um in terms of like uh, the stuff that he was writing and like most things bendis writes i think yeah he lost a little bit of interest as time went on, so, uh, yeah. So this wasn't that great, then, is what you're saying? It was kind of mixed feelings about it? Yeah, it's like, again, I love Omen's art style. It's still very sure. distinctive. He he gets some of the characterization writing that made uh, Bendis's power so fun to read for a while, mm-hmm. but he treaded in, in an area that he was not narratively prepared to dive into yet yeah and that's kind of a nasty first step Mm. like there's some interesting characterization he's got a sense of humor that i kind of like for the most part in this but it's and again i love oming's art style oh yeah i almost want to if it weren't for the fact that i looked forward into other issues and saw that this plot thread does come back in the contest between faustus and the jackal I would just say skip this because I like these characters, but this was a bad idea for a first story. So, did the series continue after this initial? Oh yeah, arc? no, oh, yeah, it went on for a few volumes. Whole... Oh, yeah. okay. I thought maybe it was just like a little. Okay, okay. Huh? Yeah. No, this was just 
not a bad idea for a story, just a bad idea for the first way to introduce people into the story. Dead man, did you read more than this? Just this arc? Like, does it get better? Or did you I, just read I this don't as remember. Well? Oh, okay, huh. it's been way too long. Right, but but you can see why I'm uncomfortable yeah. talking about this. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, no. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yup. Well, Alright, so Nico, I'll leave it to you to palette cleanse. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it's well, time. Shit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I should probably just get this one out of the way and then we can move on, hopefully, with Dead Man's next pick. Um yeah, which is I'm very conflicted as you were, I feel, speaking about that book, uh, as uh as this book I also really wanted to like and I liked the past iteration of it that's uh robbie reyes uh ghost rider number one. Oh god damn it did you, uh, did you uh, read this dead man yet or no i haven't gotten to read it yet but fuck <sighs> okay yeah um so i remember you and me dead man we had read it we had talked fondly about it did you ever end up reading it uh birdie as well the ghost rider the I, first... I read the some of the first one the one okay. that was really good and then stopped yes and annoyed and then... dead man at how abruptly it stopped well, yeah, because they kind of left it, and then they went went into the Ghost Racers Secret Wars tie-in, which was decent, but it 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 definitely did not follow the story. It weren't no like, fucking well. Ghost Rider. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It was, anyways, and then it was. Oh, hey, this tie-in to this fucking event right. was all right. <laughs> I would have liked and it then, if we got a fucking continuation of the story we were fucking being told. But fuck me, I guess. Absolutely. Well, that was the thing. I thought they were going to revisit. And re- just relaunch it with a new number one following Secret Wars Ghost Racers, but they did it. And then, of course, in the interim, um, I haven't watched it. I think maybe you guys have, maybe. Um, but they, now he's appeared as a character on Shield. Yes, yes. I I haven't watched, so I can't really criticize it if it's good or not. But uh, they I think changed up his backstory in a way I don't like. But performance and like characterization, otherwise, I think they're doing just a fine job. Okay. So we like the last series. You say that they did an okay job of introducing character uh, his character on the show. Yeah, like, like, like they, they changed yeah. the, the biggest thing that they changed up was like the origin of his powers and his brother. Okay, is he not the same in the show? Like, he uh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, like in the in the comics, his brother is like in grade school and he's kind of developmentally disabled. Right? Is he in not the, in the show? In, he's in the show, handicapped. Yeah, in the show, okay. he is older. And he is like completely mentally sound. He's just paralyzed from the waist down because of a car accident. Well, car accident and bullets. Oh. Yeah, lots and lots of bullets. And honestly, <laughs> it would have killed him if not for what they reveal later. That in this continuity, the original that the the uh, Nicholas Cage Ghost Rider gave him a portion of the rider. <laughs> no, no, he gave him Are the rider. Like, like the rider. Like, the, like it's not. It wasn't. It was like he like cut off a part of the rider. He just gave him the rider. They actually tied in the Nick Cage Ghost Rider to this. Not well, I mean, they don't officially. show Nicolas Cage, but it's right. the it's the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. It's Johnny Blaze. I just like he to fucking call him the Nicolas Cage. Well, yeah, yeah, he just, yeah, he yeah. just rolls up, fucking brings the guy back from the dead, right. and then just like shoots the ghost shit into his face. So, so I don't mind that because Johnny Blaze it was the original uh, Ghost Rider. Um, so that's cool that they at least gave a nod to that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they should associate with those movies. <laughs> but anyways, um, well, no, because the only were, the, the, the set, only the reason last they, one was the only reason the they're associated with written. those. Go ahead, Bertie. 
Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the last one was written by David Goyer, the patron saint of ruining comic books. <laughs> yeah, and the only reason that the, that the show is tied in with the movies in any way is because we saw those movies, so we're tying them in. Yeah, I remember the second one actually had some good people in it, too. I just Elba was in it. Giles from fucking... <laughs> yeah, directed by the uh, crank guys. Bear and, yeah, um, from uh, Buffy was in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, was, yeah, Christopher Lambert from Buffy. From Buffy, you know. Yeah, Giles. <laughs> that's Anthony Stewart <laughs> that head. Guy. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Giles was in it, not the guy you just mentioned. No, yeah, but Chris, uh, Christopher yeah. Lambert is in it with shit all over his face. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's in oh, there as okay. a human book. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's he, he's the guy who sends Idris Elba out to get the fucking child. All right. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I just remember not liking that one. But anyways. Uh, I remember liking it. You liked it, eh? Okay. I think I reviewed it on the site. I game like three and a half out of five. It, it's... It was entertaining. I, I don't, yeah. I don't not, think it was. Neither of them are good. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I mean. I didn't turn it off. I watched the whole thing. Let's just put it that way. It was entertaining to say the least. Um, I think anyways. one of the main reasons I liked it was because I had no frame of reference for what Ghost Rider should be. Sure. And there was good people in it. Like, there was. Like, I just, Elba is usually really good. And, it, yeah, it's, it was all over the place, the storyline. But, yeah, the, uh, anyways, the, the TV, the TV yeah. show Ghost Rider <laughs> is better than the movies. Okay, good. And also, on par visual effects. Okay. Ghost good. Rider looks fucking great. Sure, that's Yeah, good. no, it looks better than he did in any of the movies. Yeah, and, <laughs> and what's also really cool is, uh, so at a, at a point, they pass, the, they pass the rider onto another onto another character, and then when he turns, he looks different than Robbie did as the rider. So, like, the fucking skull, like, like, like the, the person who has the rider, they change the appearance slightly. Huh. It, it's a little thing. So, it's, it's a little tiny thing that I really appreciate. Hmm. Because they so could have just, because they like, just like taken the fucking same effect and then just fucking put it over the guy, but instead they made a whole new effect. Well, not necessarily a whole new, but they changed it enough that they had to put work in to do it. That's good. Then I'm glad, and and not you're not the only ones I've heard positive things about it. So that that is cool that they introduced a decent character on that show. But um, anyway, back to the shitty comic book, right? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So I, 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 well, I, well, I think it was worth mentioning all that stuff just because I didn't want to come from a place where saying I, I did not like this character or the previous comic series because I absolutely have. You can tell that you guys enjoy the Shield version of them, so that's cool. Um, this last series was really good. I remember. I mean, obviously the first arc we really mostly uh, it was amplified by the fact that Tridmore was drawing it which we we love uh, as well uh but it was uh after he left it was still good i still really liked the character and the characterizations um uh and and for a new version of ghost rider was great this first issue and i don't know whether to blame because you guys are saying and that's why i said earlier i wanted to link this to the marvel universe the cinema the tv stuff I didn't know. I don't know who to blame for the fact that maybe I sh- I knew something bad was going to come that he was becoming an Agent and Shield character um, because I don't. If it, it you guys are saying that it's, it was mostly good, but I don't know if I should blame the TV show for the fact that this comic was bad or just the fact that the writer, the same writer that wrote the last previous series, 
went, chose to go a different direction or just the setup of this overall first issue was bad? Because I really did not enjoy this first issue of Robbie Ray as Ghost Rider. Um, because I'm surprised they didn't fucking call this book uh, Robbie Ray as Ghost Rider featuring Totally Awesome Hulk. Because <laughs> half the... Really? Ish- Why? Yeah, half... Half the issue, if not even more so, was dedicated to Totally Awesome Hulk. And it, oh crap! You know what that means? What they just they they just brought the the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider book back to set him up for to be in Champions. Fuck. Fuck. Well, to be fi- why you guys don't like Champions or no Champions no, is fine. Just, Robbie Reyes does not fit in Champions. No, no, absolutely not. He's no, just, he just happens to be a young superhero. And 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 and, and to be fair, I I I also um, I had dropped totally awesome Hulk, and I and I ended up actually picking it back up. And I actually enjoyed some of the tie-in issues where they dealt with Civil War throughout it. I actually have been enjoying that character. I don't mind Amadeus Cho as to- as Hulk. I don't, yeah, I really yeah, don't totally, totally awesome Hulk is a fine right. book. No, it is. And that's that's what I mean. I don't want to come off as me saying I hated this just because he was in it. But you had two storylines going on in this first introduction issue coming back to the series uh, where they're not even together. So you have two pages introducing uh, Robbie Reyes again with his brother. And they're working on their car, his car in the garage. And he's teaching his brother um, all the parts of the of the car as he you know because he's a mechanic and he's he's testing him, asking him which part this is, which part this is, and his brother knows a lot of it. And he's really proud of him. He's like, oh, you know, I'm so proud. It's like another one of those touch touching uh, moments that he used to have in the first series where he's taking care of his brother and you know they get along, everything's going good. I was like, oh, nice. Uh, re- it's it felt familiar like the first series, and then you get to the third page of their first two pages. And they drop you into this totally awesome Hulk storyline, <laughs> where, where he's called in somewhere to basically uh, investigate like this weird purple goop, this um, uh, previously unrecorded chemical element, which is like this purple goop that he kind of goes and starts analyzing. That basically, throughout the comic, he ends up it ends up um, biting him and turning into like a big purple goop, like. Hulk version, like of like a some sort of a monster or something, and he ends up fighting it. And throughout this whole thing, you get a couple of pages of Robbie Reyes back to this uh, totally awesome Hulk when he's investigating this purple thing, and then you get you go back to Robbie Reyes, and it, and it keeps flipping back and forth in this first issue between these both these two storylines, and there's no connection between either of them as of yet. <laughs> and we're just like, why is this? Like the the great thing about the first series of the Ghost Rider was that it was it, it was in its own lane. Like until Secret Wars, it was a story told just in Ghost Rider. There wasn't fucking guest stars showing up every other issue. Like I don't want this this comic series to be a vessel for for every fucking person now in the Marvel Universe, like the young characters showing up in this Robbie Ray. And I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if this is because of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's to blame that they're using this as, hey, a lot of people are going to check this book out now because of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Bo- uh, appearance. Maybe we should just throw all the other new characters in this. Because, you know who shows up at the end of this issue? Uh, fucking uh, uh, Laura, the all-new Wolverine, shows up at the end of this issue. And like so, in the, in the first issue, you get a storyline has nothing to do with uh, with the Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes as of yet, with the totally awesome Hulk, and and then you get so half the issue already. You're not even getting many Robbie much Robbie Reyes in a book that's titled Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider, and then at the end you have another character that shows up that's going to be in, in the next issue. So I'm just like I don't know where they're going with this 
storyline as of yet. Um, and then the backup story, because this is a four ninety nine issue for the first one, was drawn by Trad Moore. So you get like an eight page little Trad Moore series. Art, like usual, looks good. Possibly, maybe the saving grace of this issue, but th- even this storyline was very weak. This storyline was about some woman character who might show up later in the story, I'm not sure, uh, who tries to uh, uh, jack his car. Like, he breaks into, she breaks into uh, the garage. Like, she's like this really big, muscly, um, like, she looks like a fucking, like, UFC fighter chick who basically comes by the, um, the garage and sees his car and she's like, Oh, a nice car. She's like checking it out and he starts talking to her because she's a customer and all that. So she ends up coming back later in the night to try to steal the car and he catches her and kind of has to scare her off as Robbie Reyes ghost rider. And she kind of gets away and she's like this weird girl who rides around on a skateboard (laughs) and she's dressed like a fucking tiger. It's very strange waste of a story. It was not very good. So, oh. yeah, it just, it was, yeah. Uh, it's, so, just, according to Comic Vine, her name is Piston Nitro. Yeah. <laughs> and she has time powers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, I just felt like this is what you bring Tradmore for, <laughs> to draw a side story, like, in the first issue. Who does the art for the main issue? Uh, um... So the art for the main issue is by uh, somebody I'm not familiar with, uh, with um, Danilo Bayruth. Uh, it's kind of cartoony looking, kind of clean lined. It's it's not bad. It looks like more in the vein of the artist that took over for Tridemore after. Because I remember the writer also did art on a couple of issues, like the writer of this, uh, Felipe Smith. And then they got some really abstract artists, I remember, for Ghost Racers. Like they've... Their artists have ever since tried more left. I definitely think he was probably the best artist, but they've always had a unique uh, artist that's maybe more on the cartoony side of things that hasn't really. Um, they've had a couple different ones, but I think they've all been okay. Like they haven't been all great artists, but I think they've been serviceable for the story. But this this is a very bad first introduction issue, and if it's going to continue like this. I might have to revisit it somewhere down the line and just drop the issues, maybe pick up the trade if I hear good things. Because it's, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you say, Deadman, because you really enjoyed the, the last series a lot. I remember we used to talk about it fondly on the show when I joined, and and, and, and so did I. And, and this is just, I don't know what to think now. I don't know if this is an opportunity for them just to drop every fucking new character into this book now. It's just going to be one of those things where it doesn't really fucking matter about yeah. Robbie Reyes. Um, I think that the strength of the first series was because they it focused on Robbie Reyes and really built him up as a character, and this just felt like a departure from that. And this is this, mind you, this is like after being off for a year. Like it's not even like they had him pop up in any books since then. So like they're reintroducing the character, but not really. They're like just just cramming the book full of guest guest stars. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It just it hopefully it gets better. I mean, it's the same writer. Um, you know, the art was okay. It's just, it's, so, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I maybe just revisit it at some point in the future because it's just, if this is any indication of how the series is going to be, I, I was kind of unimpressed in terms of uh, what I, I had high expectations. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry to say. <laughs> okay, then. So, we're on to my next book, Rom. So please, pr- please, please cl- cleanse the palate, dead man. Please cleanse the palate. It is <laughs> pretty all right. 
Okay. Yeah. Start. Yeah, uh, we talked about. Like, so wait, Nico, were you here when we last talked about Rom? I don't think so. Actually, I don't know if I was. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. The big. Th- I mean, the the storytelling was kind of basic, like sci-fi, alien war on Earth story. The thing I liked about it was the art, particularly with the what, what do they call the enemy aliens? In uh, this? the wraith. Yeah, the wraith. They right. kind of a. H.R. Geiger thing going on combined Ooh. like yeah, H.R. The, Gar- the Geiger aliens by way of demons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The Wraith are the Wraith are all very Geiger. Uh, the art itself actually reminds me of Tony Harris. Okay. Like, like, like looking at it, it yeah. kind of looks like you know low rent ex machina. Okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. I can yeah. But yeah, so it's just this really cool body horror stuff with these. Very stylized looking uh, people, like like you could tell that is very much not uh like not the Tony Harris like technique because the proportions change all the goddamn time with them. Like like looking yeah. at, like looking at some yeah. of their faces, uh, especially like go like especially in the early bit of issue two. Uh, we got a character. I just trying to find her name again because I cannot remember her name. But da, 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 da. Uh, Darby Mason, uh, the size of her head and where her face is actually positioned on her head changes all the time. Okay. But like Rom himself looks fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like they did a really good job of like updating that design for a more like modern book. And it's still keeping that same Tony Harris feel where it feels like it's like a trace of something. We we know it right. actually isn't because he's a big old fuck off robot. Yeah, no, a robot with an expressionless face aside from two red eyes. Yeah, like he, a featureless face. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, what if the fucking robot from the day the Earth stood still became a superhero? Yeah, complete with built-in disintegration ray gun. <laughs> yep. Sorry, is 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 this the one Colin Bunn is writing, or is that the Micronauts? That's that he's Micronauts. Writing? Okay, I know they launched around the same time. Uh, is this the what's his name, the Farrier guy? Uh, Christos that... Gage and Chris Ryle. Oh, okay, okay. With art by David Messina. Oh, he's good. Okay, yeah. So I I know I know what you're talking about then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay. yeah, and yeah. So uh, the first issue was Rom. He came down to Earth. He interacted with a lady. She got fucking face fucked by one of the wraith things. Uh, then he goes <laughs> off. Then he goes off and tries to help somebody else, which is Darby Mason. Uh, she comes back to her town after being away in the military. And it turns out her entire family are dire wraiths. So Rom fucking yeah, that's, that's the that's the other thing that because of the shape shifting trait, there's a lot of people who are not who they say they are in this book. Yeah, so uh, issue two uh, picks up right after issue one, where where Rom disintegrates her entire family. Well, the wraiths who look like her entire family, and so she is dealing with this, not particularly well, but dealing. And so she's like, "Hey, we need to call the military." And Rom's like, eh, maybe not yet. We don't know how many people in your military are still human. 
and based on some of the clips from the ending of the first issue, probably not many. Yeah, she was like, maybe hold off on that. Uh, then the laptop explodes into a dire wraith. <laughs> because it turns out the entire town, not just her family, are dire wraiths, including the local, including the local um, animal life, as well as all the trees. Are like in disguise? Like, yeah, that's their thing, right? It's yeah, 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 they, yeah, they disguise. Them, right? the, the dire wraiths are right. like the dire wraiths are an infectious species. Who like make contact with uh, like the, like an organism and then rewrite its genetic structure so that it, so that it's just a dire wraith. It's essentially the thing. The like Cylons. <laughs> well, well, they're uh, they're not Cylons. They're they're like the thing, except the thing could take on any form. This it's just everything's a dire wraith. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Trees so. are dire rates, plants are dire rates, people and computers are dire rates. Yeah, so uh Rom and so Rom disintegrates to the ladies' town, they fly off to a cave nearby. Uh Rom learns a bit about Earth. It's like, oh, you don't have a singular world government? That's fucking weird. Because Rom is very much like he wants to contact the leaders of the world and tell them their planet has been infested and I'm and he's here to help. But being that our planet is our planet. That can't fucking happen. Oh god, now I just have to imagine uh, Rom trying to negotiate with the Donald. <laughs> There's no negotiation. <laughs> he, he he just says, hey, where are they? And then he uses his tiny baby-sized hand to push the nuke button. Which in which in his fit which is like in you, you know the you know the size of uh, like we've seen a movie, you know the size of the standard like launch nuke button in the fucking nuclear football? Yeah. So with Trump's like fucking ridiculously like pre-birth fetus hands, when he pushes that, it looks like one of those like Staples Easy buttons blown up to about ten times the size. Yeah. No. When he's touching it, it actually looks like it's a cartoonish, overproportioned button that someone has to press in like yeah. a comic. The big cartoon. red shiny candy-like button. <laughs> Whatever I thought of the uh, current. Uh... <laughs> Election with those two candidates, I always hearken back to the uh, Kang and Kodos uh, Simpsons Trios of Horror episode <laughs> when, they, when they came there. <laughs> he disguised himself as uh, Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I thought about that episode not too long ago because of the election. I'm like, that was a great episode. Anyways. <laughs> so anyway, back to Rom. Uh, yeah, so Rom and, Rom and Darby hiding out in a cave. Uh, Rom fucks off to go save the lady who he met before and she has a bit of dire wraith on her forehead uh which is slowly rewriting her dna but is going incredibly slowly giving her still control over her like body and like mind and stuff but she also has a slight psychic connection to the dire wraith at which point we yeah. meet dirge a dire wraith grandmaster or something like it's it looks like what they're aiming for is to show that the dire wraiths aren't aren't just this like stupid evil force that's just here to take over everything because fuck it. And they're doing not a bad job. Like like so far what we've seen of the dire wraiths is that they have been they've been just the thing. Just oh we like oh we took over this person's body. Now we're trying to act at their lives. As soon as we are found out, well, time to take over that person. 
and they have weird fucking man dogs and like birds made out of lasagna or something. And then all of a sudden, fucking Dirt shows up. He's like, oh, hi, how's it going? I'm fucking head of the Dire Wraiths. What's up? Oh, Rom, you fucker. I thought we killed all you bastards. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, one of the... I believe one of the Space Knights was a bear. Just We, we get some backstory of how Rom came to join the Space Knights. And also some... Like discussion that says that, well, uh, yes, there's a discussion that says that uh, Rom isn't a robot; he's actually a person in a suit. And yeah, so is looking at uh, the, the Soul Star like, Order, the um, one of the Space Knights, I thought it was like a there is a weird snake man, a red lady, a uh, uh, Blob Herman from the fucking X Men, and a bear. <laughs> I, I thought Blob, the thing about the Blob Space Knights, I thought the thing about the Space Knights was that they were like souls or like brain patterns imprinted onto a mechanical body potentially i'm not sure uh they all like again i'm just going off what linkara said when he talked about the book a few years ago well that was the original book this is the new book okay, so they, yeah, so they could have changed that yeah yeah so uh we are starting to see some aspects of the wraith like the, like an actual like dire wraith society because they seem to have some level of magic. Uh, they also have a deity. Uh, at the end of the issue, uh, we see that uh, we we see uh, the we see Dirge take over a position, take over like a person's body, and then and then he's talking to somebody who he calls his god, which is like the ghost of a dire wraith that has six Crazy. eyes instead of four. And then it ends with them. It ends with Rom in a fucking oubliette or something being taken to a military prison. So yeah, it's fine. Like it is. It's doing enough right for me to keep reading. Like I am. I like Rom. I like kind of the world they're building. I like the dire wraiths. The art is. Inconsistent, but generally good. Like, Rom always looks great, so they're keeping that shit going. Uh, the fucking dire wraiths look really good. Uh, the only thing that really doesn't work all that well are the humans. Mm. But they uh, they work well enough that the series is fine. Cool. And a weird thing, actually. Uh, so at the end of issue three... So I, so Bill Mantlo uh, is the reason that this book exists, basically. Uh, like, Rom back in the day was just a toy line. Same with the Micronauts. But then Bill Mantlo, who also worked on a whole bunch of other things, uh, including creating Rocket Raccoon, uh, he decided, he saw these things, then got the idea to write books for them. He talked Marvel into the licenses and then wrote books for them, which is the reason that, any, the reason that we ever talk about fucking Rom or the Micronauts anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of um, really good um, Marvel books from the '80s and '90s came out of toy properties like G- like Larry Hama's GI Joe. Yeah, 
and so yeah, he worked on all that stuff. Uh, then a few years back, actually many years back in 1992, uh, Bill Mantlo was involved in a hit and run car accident and was left with severe brain damage and has been in an institution ever since. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and was also fucked out of a lot of the money that he was owed for all the money that people feel he should have gotten for creating so many of these fucking characters. Well, yeah, but fucking uh, creators out of their money is a comic book company tradition. Yeah, and I just found out about this the day before I read issue three. And at the end of issue three, uh, there is a thing for the Bill Mantlo Fund, uh, which is uh, BillMantlo.com. Where you can go and like buy shit to help support Bill Mantlo, who needs a lot of money in order to fucking afford to live in the care how and like in order to live in like the long term care he needs to live in. So yeah. Apparently this episode was brought to you by charity. <laughs> it is the season. Yeah. Yeah, BillMantlow.com or HereInitiative.org. Support creators. This is the season where you're supposed to be, where everyone decides to be charitable, not just the not assholes. <laughs> yeah. Funny, I'm wrong. Yeah. It is fine. I'll probably keep reading a couple more issues of it. Okay. G.I. Joe will get involved at some point. Yeah, I heard about that. He made an appearance at the end of the first issue. Like, yeah, which Scar- means- Scarlet and the Joes made an appearance at the end of the first issue, and then the and then the second issue they show up for two panels. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's no secret as I, IDW owns all those other properties, right? So it would make, only make sense that they'd wrap them at, up into their crossovers. I can't you know wait. I, mean? like, I can't yeah. wait for Rom to fight Galvatron. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, G.I. Joe fought to stop the reassembly of Megatron before, so that's not the weirdest thing to happen. Yeah, they've already crossed over with uh, with Transformers. G.I. And Joe, then there's so. whatever the fuck infestation was. It'll be really cool when it'll be really cool when Snake Eyes and the Ninja Turtles team up to fight fucking Cobra in the foot. And then that- Batman shows up in his turtle armor. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> And that fucking piece of shit Catmobile shows up for that crossover. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, just fucking, I, just, just like one of the, the like fucking Duke is like, who's that Catman? It's like, no, it's Batman. I, honestly, if we if we're if we documented this for this past year, I think out of all the redesigns that we really hated on Catman, that was that was that was the one I think that le- at least bugged me the most. The I fucking was like, Catmobile every- was the thing that got you about to our <laughs> level of anger. I just did, and they kept like shoehorning it into scenes of that book. I I loved that book. It was a great. I mean, I liked the crossover uh, at least. It was fine. It's real good. It, it was really good. But but the fact that that car kept showing up in the background, like, what is it doing here? Having read the book now, yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> it was like, a, anyways. Would it have been less bad if it didn't have such visibly whiskers? pronounced whiskers? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. It was the whiskers that really fucking pissed me off. Like, it wasn't even, like, 
like whatever you could draw an ugly batmobile maybe the guy just didn't know how to draw the batmobile like but but the fact that it had those visibly like those whiskers that popping out of the fucking grill i was like okay this is uh <laughs> i don't know what that is there but this isn't the batmobile i know <laughs> follows the same design sensibilities as batman the brave and the bold just wrong <laughs> tone uh <laughs> yeah Okay, just put a pin in that. I, w- I want to come back to this because there is something that I I need to look this up. But there's a joke I want to make. All right. <laughs> is it okay if I say I'm kind of hopeful that Justice League action will be good? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of want that to be good. I yeah. I want it to be good. Like I want to like the Justice League again. Yeah. First few trailers have been oh pretty okay. Why Wonder Woman looks like she's age? fucking like twelve, but whatever. They're coming out with a new Justice League cartoon? Yeah, Justice yeah, League next, action. Th- next week. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. Okay. Huh. I don't know how that slipped past me. Didn't hear of that. That's cool. Is it under the tutelage of, uh, what's his name there? Um, Deanie or any of them? Or no? I can't tell. I, de- I haven't looked at the production scratch. It doesn't. The way I described it last time I talked about it is it's somewhere in between the original Glenn Murakami Teen Titans show and the Justice League show, uh, Bruce Tam show. Okay, yep. Okay, so Sam Register seems to be running that show. So Dini's not involved at... Uh... Not that I can see on this page. Also, the show's going to be 11-minute episodes. That's fine. Anyway. I, I, I'm not going to get mad at the episode link, because I watch Steven Universe regularly. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. Just Steven Universe seems like an odd outlier in the 11-minute episode cartoons. Adventure time. My statement stands. <laughs> Like, yeah, Adventure Time, Steven Universe kind of from the jump was different. Adventure Time, it's what you expect that occasionally has bursts of plot. And like, not and like not even big bursts, just kind of like little spritzes. Hey, remember this thing happened before? Hey, remember that one-off villain we had in season one? Well, guess what? He's back in season six, bitch. Anyway, yeah, so, take the pin out of that joke from earlier. It's like Freddie Williams only ever saw the Batmobile as drawn by Jim Ballant. Ah, yes. That's the Catwoman guy. Oh, (laughs) yeah, not just the Catwoman guy, the Catwoman guardian of Gotham guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, the guy who I believe came up with with the line of, Your vagina is haunted. (laughs) <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah I didn't I wasn't to be aware fair, of that. that was a porno dead man and we like directors who have done stuff that was porno related before no he's no, done, no, he's no direct- Tara, Tara, uh, Tara Witch of the Black Rose I don't know if that's technically porn like it's I, I'm looking this up. <laughs> oh, man. 
Okay, it is not listed as porn, which kind of makes it worse. <laughs> anyway, I guess we should move on. Yeah. <laughs> if Terror Witch of the Black Rose was straight up porn, I would not be so miffed about it. But the fact that it was being sold as a real comic and not a porn comic, that means I judge it by the standards of real comics. Uh, so, Bertie? <laughs> All right, so the thing Dead Man wanted me to talk about. Okay, yeah. So some shit happened in Power Rangers. Yes, it nice. fucking did. <laughs> some shit went down. Fuck, yes, it All did. Right, so God when, damn it. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay, so what was the last thing we just... You were, do, Nico, do you remember what we last discussed with you? Just I want to see how uh, much I... I think it was probably at least, I don't know, three issues ago. I don't remember what storyline was at that time, but I, I know okay, that... Okay, so just to sum up... um. The Rangers fighting with each other released opened a dimension to allow this thing called the Black Dragon into our universe. Uh, the Black Dragon stole the Blue Rangers Morpher and used it to cut off all the other Power Rangers from the Morphing Grid. Except Tommy. Used, yeah, except Tommy, who was special in some way. The green and power he, coin access the, accesses the, uh, the Morphing Grid differently than the other power coins do. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh... He then uses his also his access to the power coins to allow Rita to control the the dinosaurs. Right, right. You said that, that's what I recall. The one thing I remember you guys saying was that Rita's plan was actually working for once, or something. Oh like yeah, that. it absolutely was. Like like her, right, like her right, like, right. the whole thing of like was just, hey, I'm gonna fucking put this crystal in the middle of the city, and then you go make general chaos to power it. Yeah, that was the big takeaway. I remember you guys being kind of surprised about that. Her, she actually came up with a good plan, and that it was actually working like for her. For once. But but knowing what I know now, I'm now wondering how much of that plan was her, and how much of that plan was the Black Dragon. Yeah. Okay. okay so g- getting into it, um, obviously shit's fucked up. Soup's fucked, <laughs> and and Billy is also trapped in the dark dimension with Goldar. Uh after uh, his rank, his morpher was stolen by the black dragon and because he still has access to the dragon zord jason unmorphed and tommy try to get to the moon to get billy back but mm-hmm. the black dragon fights them both off and they lose their chance yeah the black dragon is able to uh switch between human sized and zord sized oh just like on a whim you can yeah. just like okay interesting mm-hmm. So, as much as they want to get Billy back, they also need to figure out more immediately a way to get back control of their dinosaurs. And the strategy, despite its kind of hilarious results, is kind of brilliant because the dinos because the dragon uh, morpher accesses the morphing grid differently from the other uh, power coins, and because they still have their powers, they're just cut off from accessing them. They use. Uh, I think at some point during the fight on the moon, Tommy managed to remove one of the Black Dragon's arms. I that, that, that's yes, what it looked yeah, like. I think so. Yeah, and he used that combined with his Dragon Morpher to cut to reinstate access to the Morphing Grid, so they all have their powers back. It's just all their suits are green. Yeah, all the same designs Which and everything, is, just all palette swap yeah. green. Yeah. Which is kind of hilarious at first, particularly in the next issue where the first time you see Jason uh, stop trying to stop the Tyrannosaurus, he's just got the he's got his sword out, he's got his gun out. You see the full design, but he's but it's just bright green, and everyone's like, 
Uh... <laughs> Did you leave your suit in the wash too long or what, dude? You got to separate your colors, man. So because they have access to their powers again, um, uh, Kimberly, Trini, Zack, and Jason regain control of their Zords. But, of course, the they, there's still the Black Dragon who, again, can go to Zord size and the... Uh, the, yeah, to the Triceratops Zord because Billy still hasn't morphed. And yeah, because Billy Billy's is in the dark dimension out. watching replays. Yeah. And playing again on, again, smart writing, Billy convinces Goldar to let him out of the dark dimension because he's convinced, because using the very logical argument, look, Goldar, you are uh, Rita's loyal subject, but if she doesn't need you, what chance is it that she'll ever need you? <laughs> like, uh, you're right. Don't make me regret this. Goddamn pointy-titted bitch. Why do I love her Goddamn. so much? Goddamn Madonna Cone bra. If I'm not around, who's going to do her hair like that? <laughs> so yeah, uh, Billy's let out next to Tommy, who... While he can't morph, can still fight because he can control the dragon sword through the dragon dagger. And at some point during the fight, Billy notices that from the looks of things, the black dragon is entirely mechanical. So he and no, no, Billy... no, no, no. It, it, it was uh, while he was in the dark dimension before he convinced Goldar to let him go. Uh, Goldar said, "Like, hey, I, I can control like fucking everything. This is my dimension. So here's some fucking replays." And then, like, as they're going through the footage, Billy notices a hatch on the black dragon's back. Oh right, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, sorry. And then he burst out. And they burst out. I was like, "Blake, what the fuck? No time to explain." Dragon's a fucking Zord. Let's get in there. Yeah, and so Tommy and Billy are in there wrecking shit. They manage to defeat the Black Dragon Zord or whatever it is, but they get sucked into another dimension. One where one where Tommy helped Rita take over the world. Yeah, and that's the big reveal of what who the black what the Black Dragon actually is because he says in conversation with uh, Rita, that thing was never really me. It was just a projection of my powers. And then they cut to, I'm pretty sure, the Lord Zed throne. Yeah, it's the Lord Zed and, throne. And you you see a ranger who, from the looks of it, is a combination of the White Tiger Ranger and the Green Dragon Ranger. Yep. Huh. And then and then when Billy and uh, Tommy like wake up and realize where they are, they see a giant statue in front of a fucking wasteland of Rita and the Green Ranger. Oh shit! So uh, dark dimension. Yep, the dark mirror dark dimension. We're in the darkest, darkest timeline. timeline. Hmm. So the obvious answer is that this is a version of Tommy that was never freed from Rita's evil control. And because he is so evil and has a power that is independent of Reed's power, when I'm assuming Zed showed up wanting to be the actual ruler of everyone evil, uh, Rita used her, found a way to give uh, Tommy access to the white tiger powers in addition to the dragon powers to make it more powerful to stop Zed. But at that point, evil Tommy was like, why do I need you, bitch? I'll rule by myself. Yeah. And, or, or alternatively, this dimension's Rita and Tommy were fucking. 
What? That's that's actually scarier. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So like. Uh, yeah. It's like like she, like fucking Rita. You know, made Tommy like got Tommy given the powers, made him evil and stuff. And then because he never left her side, the two of them ended up developing a relationship. Then when Lord Zed came along, uh, Rita and Tommy fucking threw together the plan. Hey, let's fucking get Wet Ranger powers. Fuck this dude up. And then the process, Rita dies. Why else? Why else would Tommy? A person who supposedly destroyed the Rita of his dimension then work with another Rita to uh, to um, undermine her to get what he wants and then undermine her like he did the first Rita. Hmm. It, it just seems it just seems to me like with the power of the Black Dragon being what it was, just the second he was there, just break her neck and then move on. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he needs something that he doesn't have access to from the from our dimension yet. That he's trying to get by working with Rita. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he needs. Maybe he needs to establish something to have his full control over our dimension and include in addition to his. By the way, Nico, can you tell me in Dead Man or Power Rangers fan voice? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, you know. <laughs> to the point where, when the increasingly likely to be shitty movie comes out next March, I might have to have collections of this book in my hand saying this is not my power rangers this is not my power rangers (laughs) well let's put it this way i haven't been interested in that property since like i was young and i was a fan of it so like i actually enjoy listening to you guys talk about this because it's the one time of the show where i i am just like a listener because i i I have no you know i have no knowledge on that like as a sign of how fucking awesome the art in this book is, particularly on the design of the new, I'm just, I'm, you can just disagree with me if you want on this, Dead Man. I'm still going to call him the Dragon Tiger Ranger. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> that's a pretty awesome the, name. This though. design <laughs> is fucking amazing. <laughs> I would have gone with Psycho White. So, I don't know if you guys actually brought this up in the news articles on the show, maybe when I was away, or if I just don't remember. Uh, are you guys... How do you guys feel about the new upcoming crossover with DC Comics? And I don't know what the fuck that's going to be. Right? That's, that's going to be real cool and real dumb and real cool and real dumb. That is a pretty badass um, pick of this. Uh, what do you call him? Dragon White Ranger? The, 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 tig- the Dragon Tiger. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty. Who drew this? Interior by Hen. I've never heard of that person, but it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's, he's been doing the fucking art since the jump, and he, he that has been one of the... Like we mentioned earlier about having the balance of like art and storytelling, the storytelling of this yeah. is great, and the art has been keeping step. I it just pisses me off that their trades are only like four issues a trade. Yeah, no, it, it it's annoying to me how much Boom has overpriced the trades for this. No, but it's not just this; they do that now with all their main properties, right? Like it seems like a, I guess uh, I just don't care about other Boom books. Yeah, I know because I've 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 seen similar um, uh, other boom books that I read. I've I've looked up the trades that I've wanted to own before and uh, that I've read in issues. And uh, yeah, most of them are like four issues that they collect, and it's just it's not really good bang for your buck in terms of uh, the price they charge, right? No, but, no. But yeah, but you're saying this is pretty good. I, I oh no, I this has been it yeah. is it is way beyond like, pretty good. Dude. We are we're, yeah. we're like nine or ten issues in now, and. The tension still has not let up to the point where I'm almost like, Jesus Christ, Power Rangers, tell a joke. <laughs> yeah, where's oh, fucking Bulk and Skull to fart on something? Please. I, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it this much. It's, it's <laughs> nice to see when, like, an actual um, licensed property uh, has a good comic. You know, because there is very yeah. few in my experience. And, yeah. I, and I'm going to need this 
because all evidence I'm seeing from the new movie suggests it's going to be complete shit. Yeah, Nico, have you seen the, have you seen the concept design for the new Alpha Five? No, no. I'm going to send that to you or now. Just like fucking anything, like the Ranger suits, the Megazord design, the fuck. I mean, yeah, I, Alpha looks the worst, but even nothing I've seen that look, like Ranger stuff looks any good at all yet. And it's oh god, I just dead man. Yep. I, I hadn't thought about this before, but now I have to imagine Bill Hader's voice coming out of that design. <laughs> Did you that? Why is he involved? Or? Yeah, he's, yeah he's the voice five. of Alpha Five. Really? Yeah. yeah. I like Bill Hader though. And Brian Cranston uh, is yeah, Zordon. And then, and then Bill, and Elizabeth... Fucking Brian Cranston is the voice <laughs> of uh, Zordon. He might even be the floating head of Zordon. We don't know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's that's funky looking, eh? That's why is he? Why is he like? I don't know. Why does he look like? <laughs> that's very the, weird. The looking. best. I mean, the best explanation I can give to Dead Man is that it's the worst possible combination of spite of of spite in the production where you have too many cooks in the kitchen, but none of them give a shit. So there's a whole bunch of ideas, and all of them suck. No, none there's of them is one guy. To be their own idea. There is one guy there who gives a shit, and he's a production assistant. Do you see him talk in the trailer, though? Like, uh, we haven't seen no, him in the trailer. All, all we've seen in the trailer oh, is oh. all we've seen in the trailer is we've seen uh, the kids just you know going around being the kids doing the fucking early two thousands bathroom scene. Uh, we see well, the that- power coins, and we see what we think the- is the command center. Yeah, and want- the beginnings of the morph. I wonder if he's going to have the same. I, I, so Bill, sorry, Bill Hader's going to be the voice of him. Yep, Alpha Bill Hader's the voice yeah. of Alpha Five. Uh, Brian Cranston. I if he's gonna, yeah, I wonder if he's going to do the same voice. That would be cool. Probably like, not. Like, like, like a like a like a. He probably will go i i i i i at some point yeah, as yeah, like yeah, a reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. Because I, I can see Bill Hader doing that. Like he does a lot of um, impersonations and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that, like, but uh, but he'll probably try to go for his own thing because if he tries to go full on Alpha Five, it will be so out of place. Right. Yeah. No. He. Yeah. I don't really even. God know damn describe. it! Now I'm just imagining that design with Bill Hader doing his Stefan impression. Uh, have they? <laughs> <laughs> have they released a picture of um, Elizabeth Banks as uh, Rita? Yeah, they yet? have. Yeah. We've seen oh, her in the trailer okay. and. I don't know look? what the fuck. It, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird. design. Because I like her too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the I like the all the people that you guys have mentioned are in the movie so far, but that doesn't uh, necessarily mean it's gonna be good. Uh, but yeah. they must have all grown up with this property too, given their age. I'm not it, What, they gotta be in their late like mid thirties, late thirties, no? Uh, How well, old are they? Well, the, well, so, okay. So the actor, so the people playing the like the bigger, like the bigger names, yes. The people playing the kids, like they no, are probably not. Th- they, those kids are like those people are like our age, but I kind of sincerely doubt they're ki- they're the kind of people who grew up watching Power Rangers. Hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing. I mean, like again, I can't really. The actors don't look that bad in the trailer. It's just. Yeah. The writing choices, the direction choices, the tone. I don't get why they're doing this. Yeah, everything look else doesn't look good. It's weird. It's very weird. It's like I don't know. He kind of looks more alien-like and not. There's the full Rita. Okay, that's 
interesting. The, the, the big theory going on with her, like, looking how she does is Where's that... Where's the headpiece? Uh, uh, don't have it. Huh. Yeah, the, the big thing going forward is that people are theorizing that she is the Green Ranger or something. Okay. Huh. Be- because, you know, her outfit is all green. There's that big green disc powering her staff. And the power yeah, that means to me is that the source of Rita's powers might be the Green Ranger coin. Not something that like that. I mean, I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, I'll give them this. You can't really tell that's Elizabeth Banks unless you really... You know what I mean? Like, they did a pretty good job, I well, think. Yeah, of, but uh, Rita... Elizabeth Banks' career recently has been burying herself in makeup and affectations. True. So, yeah, like in the Hunger Games and stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah. She looks ridiculous so, in that. So, but, so, yeah. the, so the, the question I'll be having going into this movie is whether this makes the Hunger Games look more or less embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it should be interesting. I mean, you guys are obviously interested enough to see it, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, maybe not uh, interested, more like morbidly curious. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's an obligation for us. Yeah, of course, of course. At this point, if I mean, I'm kind of hoping, like, given the tone, I don't think it's likely, but I'm kind of hoping Rita uh, that Elizabeth Banks tries to play Rita like Protheon from Dungeons and Dragons. Never seen that. Oh, about, like, Jeremy action? Irons? Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, I've killed ranges in the past. <laughs> Make my monster grow! Hmm. I think that would fit. Is Goldar going to be in this movie? I don't know. It, it's very unclear if, like, so, I mean, the, the implication is that it, unlike in, um, the original series, which sums up its own plot in the first 20 seconds of its intro. Um, it's not, in this case, it's not Rita escapes and the Power Rangers have to come back to deal with Rita. It's because the Power Coins are released, Rita escapes, I think. Yeah, that seems to be where they're going with it. And, uh, so yeah, so Goldar and the Putty Patrol will be in the movie. Oh, that's awesome. Putties. <laughs> <laughs> but now, but now I do kind of want like, like just like this whole like big dramatic act of thing, and just all of a sudden, hey, Rangers! <laughs> I even, I, I lost my Goldar. I had it for a second. Like what? What kind of ter- like tone are you guys looking for though? As big fans, still like, are you? Something do you want little... it to be? Do you want it to be cheesy? It can't be too serious on itself. Because I want like, it to be it, the it, comic. Yeah, because okay. the comic. Seems to embrace the absurdity the of its premise, right? Okay. And kind of like make fun of it to a certain extent, but it takes the characters in the drama seriously. So it sure. doesn't it doesn't do the power slash rangers thing of just flat out mocking everything people liked about the original premise, right? And it, it's and it's and of course I don't want the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on oh, the big screen. That would that be stupid. Be, that would be no, terrible. Well, well, no, I don't. That would be a. That would be a. a <laughs> That would be a overly budgeted Nickelodeon movie on the big screen. <laughs> That's not what I want. Well, that I, would I be a say, joke. 
<laughs> I was going to say, obviously, what I mean by that is you're not, you guys aren't necessarily looking for a bunch of people punching each other in an open field somewhere. But no, no, no. <laughs> we, 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 don't, we don't want a bunch of fucking 25 year olds pretending to be 17 hanging out at the juice bar, then getting teleported to the rock quarry right. to fight a fucking toothpaste tube. <laughs> the PSA announcement at the end. No, but. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't, we don't want fucking speeded up footage of the kids recycling. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get what you mean, but you. But, but what, we, what we want do, is we. What we want is we want a well-told story featuring sure. well-acted versions of the characters we know and love. Sure, but which I mean, is which is what the comic basically is. But if it's a little tongue-in-cheek, though, I think you'd be cool with that. No, yeah, tongue-in-cheek is fine. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's but what like, I'm saying. The, okay, so the only things from the original series that I want back are cool martial arts fight scenes. Sure. Cool Zords and maybe an awesome morphing sequence. Oh yeah, you have to have and that sequence, yeah. From <laughs> what I've seen so far, I've seen none of that. Yeah, yeah, the fucking first morph is oh, they got blown by a gust of wind, then the suit just fucking shits onto him. Well, it can't be as hopefully it's it can't be as bad as from what I've seen of the uh live action Dragon Ball film. Uh-huh. <laughs> It actually kind of reminds me of the live-action Dragon Ball film. Don't like, tempt them. Like, like it's fucking Dragon Ball Evolution <laughs> crossed with every beginning superhero movie. Oh god! <laughs> like, like that fucking like the fucking Red Ranger goes into his bathroom and destroys his sink like he just got spider powers. I hadn't seen the trailer, but I I, I read a comment okay. online by somebody who said, um, "How okay, come okay, I watched the trailer?" We're, we're, Okay, Nico, we're going to be talking about Power Rangers for like the next five minutes, probably. Go watch the trailer while we're talking about Power Rangers. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, the comment I heard someone make was, um, how come I've just seen the trailer to Power Rangers and it looks like The Breakfast Club? <laughs> I'm, I'm being entirely serious here, Nico. Go watch the trailer while we talk about other stuff, please. All right. Okay, while Nico's doing that, Bertie, we're going to talk about Power Rangers. Um. A moment I kind of liked in one of the recent issues before the most recent big conflict was um, the reason Zach, Zach finally that hey, I've been kind of a dick. And the only reason he, from the looks of things, the only reason he finally admitted to, to Tommy that he's been acting like a dick is they're all going like, to die. Well, that, they're all going to die. And he's like, you seriously fought a Zord-sized enemy on your own? It's like, didn't have much choice. That's stupid, but badass. That's Thanks. how rangers do. <laughs> it's like uh, it's, it's like yo, this shit's fucking stupid as hell, but it'll look fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I want at this point is for Jason to admit he's kind of been incompetent as a leader because that's the only thing they seem to not think that he's not been handling this stupidly, which he has. Because like, the closest they've gotten is when Jason, when Tommy offered to use his ranger powers to rearm the other rangers, Jason's like, you know, that's really big of you, man. I, I won't forget this. And it's like, and I, I kind of wanted Tommy to say, yeah, well, stop being so much of a dick next time. It's like, what? I haven't been a dick. And then Kimberly's like, yeah, kinda. yeah you kind of have. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Trini, Kimberly's been the most then, likable character. <laughs> and then Trini and Zach are like, yeah, kind of an alpha's voice on the fucking radio. It just comes through. It's like, yeah, you've been super dick, asshole. Just yeah. his decapitated head sending out fucking radio waves. And then Zordon like flitters back into existence for a brief second to say, Jason. 
<laughs> my God, what a dick you've been. I felt that even in my fucking death tube. The old man sleeping on a bed of crystals that is Zordon is super pissed at you. <laughs> what if that's the thing? What if they bring that back for the new movie? Just the tube oh, just it. lifts up and then you just see fucking Brian Cranston in like Darth Vader without the suit makeup. Yeah. And then it turns out that secretly the uh, that Repulsa has been the the ploy of Ivan Ooze. <laughs> now just Lord Zed comes in for like a hot second and then Rita just kills him that's gonna be the thing like oh it's giving me a headache and was it a Robert Axelrod did the voice of Zed yes yes get him back for a fucking after the credits cameo for as yes. Zed you know it's weird I kind of want him to do what uh, I kind of want the first showing of Zed, if they do Zed in the movie, that the first showing of Zed is kind of like how they introduced Thanos at the end of Avengers. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's what that's what we're talking like, about. Like they introduced, that's how they introduced him in the show, where the first time you saw him, you saw the throne turn around and then you saw his fa- the facade for the first time. So, and yeah, even as a kid, when I first saw Zed, that terrified me. <laughs> yeah, like actually thinking about it, that might, like, Zed's design might be the one that can most easily translate over to this new design aesthetic. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's kind of silly live action, but, like, the design, the concept itself is pretty horrifying. <laughs> or it yeah. just looks like he's nothing but exposed muscle with, like, bone and, like, bone and metal fingers. <laughs> yeah, like, tubes everywhere. Yeah. Like, like, what I can see them doing is just, like, uh, taking the metal, and instead of making it, like, pure chrome, it's, like, some weird, like, almost welding-looking design on it. Like, it fucking got, like, arc lightning across it. Yeah. So it's got this weird, like, so it's got these weird streaks of, like, random colors going throughout it. That could work. Yeah, and- yeah, and given the fact that they'll probably, knowing the way things are going, make him CG, his movements would have to be quite as uh, cumbersome. Yeah, the it'll actor be... actor was in the Zed suit had clearly had trouble moving. Yeah, it'll look less like he's walking around while trying to readjust his nuts in that suit. Yeah. Like, it'll be, it'll be less high-knee walking. But yeah, no, um... But we, but uh, something about next March, it's going to be adaptations that are probably going to be shit. And that's my birth month. Happy well, birthday yeah, get, to me. I get shit. Yeah, you get Power Rangers adaptation and the Ghost of the Shell adaptation. <laughs> Woo! Well, yep. Hey, Nico. Yeah, so, did yes. you watch the trailer? I did. And yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look like a Power Rangers movie. I'll give you that. <laughs> but Nico, I, uh, but yeah. Nico, it ended with bum 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 bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it did do that. It felt, I'll it, give you that. That felt like a funeral march. But uh, yeah, just, um, just, just it, like just like a bunch, just like a fucking like army corps of dudes on fucking drums, just dun 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 dun. I mean, as we're carrying I mean, out we, their multicolored coffins. <laughs> 
mean, they, they, it said at the end it's coming out in March. Or they said to release another trailer that will actually show some more. Probably. <laughs> probably. Well, okay. Probably. There'll probably be one with one of the. I, it depends on how ballsy they are, because right. if they're super ballsy, they'll try to buy um, trailer time in front of Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. With Rogue One coming out, yeah. Depends Wait on if minute. they're that ballsy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a trailer, though. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a trailer. That was a trailer. <laughs> oh, that okay. was a trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it should be interesting. Nico. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about Six Pack and Dog Welder, Section Eight, Hard Traveling Heroes, the second of the miniseries um, that Garth Ennis has been doing, featuring the Section Eight characters. Uh, this one more focusing in on the uh, 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 Dog Welder so far. Um, I, I guess the uh, Six Pack and Dog Welder, hence the uh, title. They've been focusing on Six Pack being the leader of the team and Dog Welder. Uh, being the second dog welder, of course, because the first dog welder died during the Hitman series that is wrote at the end. Yeah, naturally. Uh, yeah. Uh, who, of course, welds dogs to people. <laughs> and uh, We mean that literally. Yeah. And I've talked about... That doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> this is issue four of the six-issue mini, and this continues the streak of... Uh, DC letting Garth Ennis wisely do whatever the fuck he would like like to do with uh, <laughs> with the characters he's created. I wonder for if it's them. something similar to how like DC, it, like I mean Garth Ennis probably is just like in his room like polishing various weapons and talking about end of the world scenarios. Whereas if they went into Grant Morrison's room, they're like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> yeah, they go, they go into Grant Morrison's room and they're never seen or heard from again. Yeah, I mean, he, just, just they open the door, it, they hear some kind of tribal chanting, and then all of a sudden yeah. they're just like short a staff member. Yeah, they're in the ninth dimension yeah. or something. Someone asks, <laughs> someone comes out, they ask what happens. All they can say is "Praise be to Yevon." Um, like, they're like sending out checks. It's like, all right, we got a check for you, Jim. Check for you, Steve. Check for nobody. Like it actually says that. And, I'll, and then they just like kind of look around. They look back. The check is just dust. <laughs> it still got cashed. Uh, so, yeah, people like Morrison, people like Ennis are guys that I feel that DC uh, wisely, uh, knowing how much good work that they've done for the company, uh, let do what, let them do whatever they want for these projects. I mean. You know, these are characters no one has written since Garth Ennis ha- uh, has r- written them, and nor you know should they or do they want to. I'm sure, but um, so yeah. This, I mean, th- I mean, at this point, like fucking uh, young animal hadn't launched yet, so might as well let the fucking guy who made him do it. Right. So so far, so uh, I, I talked about I think either the first or second issue on the show. Show this is the fourth issue. Uh, and that issue, I think it was the second one I talked about last. Um, Constantine was in it, and I talked about how he had a horrible Cockney accent. He was making fun of the fact that how Constantine is, or, or Hellblazer, when he used to write him, um, is now depicted within the DC universe. And um, and he was he was kind of just making fun of the making fun of his, his own character, not his own character, but a character that he's also written and did a very good job on him. Uh, his run uh, with John and how how much things have changed. So, 
uh, I really enjoyed that, that he was commenting on that. And Garth Ennis, when he, he, he makes fun of superheroes, he, he tends to do a pretty good job. Um, he, although he does it quite often. <laughs> so, um, so in this, I, I thought that like the last series that came out of the Section 8, uh, it was going to be uh, every other issue, a new hero would show up and interact with the team. Uh, that's how this one started out too, with all like the more supernatural characters as the Spectre showed up and John Constantine showed up. But since then, John Constantine tapped into a storyline with the Dog Welder, where Dog Welder is basically trying to, is that kind of like a soul searching mission, trying to find himself and find out why he's the Dog Welder? Like what? Like what? What basically? Why moved? are you welding dogs? To <laughs> Yeah. So, and um, and then in doing so, John Constantine has uh, sent him on some sort of a uh, a journey, and he's actually been with the team since the second issue. So he's still in this fourth issue with them, which has been fun. I've enjoyed him making fun of um, a character that he he wrote so well, but is still able to play a uh, played up ridiculous version of him in this uh, series. So. Um, he's still got a ray gun and a space helmet for some fucking reason. <laughs> he's still t- talking with a horrible um, Dick Van Dyke, uh, Mary Poppins, Cockney-like accent. Like, oi, and a and all this kind of shit. And, and, I was uh, taught by an Irishman how to sound Cockney. <laughs> it doesn't quite come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's quite funny, um, in that, the way he's writing him. And in this issue, uh, Dog Welder um, <laughs> um, comes across a pantheon of um, of, of uh, Dog Welders through the ages. So, <laughs> so he, you are the Dog Welder for our generation. So he, there he has been a walking. Dog Welder since the dawn of time. Pretty much, yeah. And, and they tell you a story. Dog Welder finds out the origin of the Dog Welders about um, two of the. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, it. Honestly, this book is so fun. It, it's it's you can't take this seriously. It's just a fun read. Uh, the they first tell of our st- order welded a dog to the face of God, <laughs> and that's why so, God always shows up as a Scottish terrier. <laughs> so two of the gods back in e- Egyptian times uh, <laughs> basically basically task a um a task um, a um. A blacksmith back then, you learn, uh, uh, with the task of welding a dog head <laughs> to somebody else's body, who of course turns out to be Anubis, the god with the dog head. And of course, and, of ancient course. Egypt. <laughs> it all makes sense, right? And then, because he finds out that he does this to him and deforms him, um, he swears uh, when he finds out that uh, who's who's tasked to do this. Uh, he swears that he will um, put a curse on him, and his curse, of course, was to forever weld dogs to things. <laughs> and therefore, there is always there will always be somebody throughout time that has been tasked to put to um, give the mantle over to a next to basically live out his existence in uh, welding dogs to other things. <laughs> One day, the mask of the dog welder will call to you. You will have no choice but to answer and carry the mantle. <laughs> so as he's going down this hallway of uh, of all like these statues of all these different uh, dog welders throughout the ages, 
Garth Ennis, like, is writing all the voices for all, like, the different, <laughs> all the different, uh, like, all the statues start talking to him. So, like, there's, like, a, a Western dog welder, like, <laughs> like an English dog welder from the war. <laughs> like, <laughs> then, and then at the end of the hallway, you find, you find the dog welder who died from the Hitman run. Um, who basically is the one that explains all this to the dog welder since he was the dog welder before him. And, um, and then he comes out from learning all this about himself and the group, Constantine and the rest of the section eight are waiting for him outside of this, this building that he went in. And he's like, he's like, uh, yeah. So what happened in there? You know, explain Were you able to figure it out? Are you kind of clear on, you know, who you are and kind of your purpose. And he's like, I found nothing. It's all just dog welding. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's all then, like, doing all this time. Yeah, yeah. And then Six Pack with his drunken fucking <laughs> inebriated face is just like, what the hell does that mean? And Constantine's just smoking a cigarette beside him with like a confused look. <laughs> Oh, it's just so it's 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 so fun. I mean, it's it's uh, if you like these characters or you just like Garth Ennis's humor and you, you want like a, a story that's totally ridiculous, but <laughs> if you're looking for something like that in your life, I, I definitely I definitely suggest checking this out. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a fun little issue, and I think uh, overall the miniseries, while not being amazing, is definitely a a good time waster, and it gives me a laugh every time I read it, and. Uh, and, and this dog welter story was probably my favorite issue so far, um, with with the uh, exception of the uh, Constantine issue with the Spectre and and um, and the racist Batman moment that they had in that issue. <laughs> there's a, there's a great moment where they made Batman look like a. Or was that in the first series? Uh, first series. Been in the fir- yeah, it was the first series. Yes, Batman did show up again in that issue. And he kind of had like a drive-by, like I'm Batman type moment where he just yelled something, <laughs> and it was it was also equally funny. But um, but yeah, they've both been pretty good miniseries. So uh, yeah, Six Pack and Dog Welder, uh, check it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at uh, I'm just looking at like members of the original uh, Section Eight. Yeah, the Defenestrator. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah there's, a man, there's not many. Yeah, a man who <laughs> carries around a window. For the purpose of throwing people through it. <laughs> the best, my favorite back end window from must use is uh, uh, Baton Baton or whatever his name is. The Jean French de Baton Baton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he walks around with a baguette and smacks people with it. <laughs> he sounds like a, he sounds like the hero uh, answer to the leaper. Well, that's all he says. He's Jean Baton Baton. He like smacks people with his fucking Jean de Baton Baton. Uh, fights villainy through the power of Frenchness. <laughs> that is the okay, official so, description. So, Dead Man had. I know Cora uh, mentioned this show to you. Did you ever watch Milo Murphy's Law? Uh, not yet. Okay. Well, in one of the episodes, they go to a, the sports game. And apparently, the their school had recently switched from selling German sausages to nothing but French food. <laughs> and uh, one of the stars was selling uh, crepe Suzettes, and someone ordered one and said, "Sorry, we are closed." And lights a cigarette. That's that's what that sounds like when you tell me that. So I don't. <laughs> no, I also. Oh, I just, Francais. <laughs> I did. I did so, I, so I looked up something about Flem Gem, another member of the original thing, and there's just an image of. Uh, of Hal Jordan. 
yeah, he was in looking he, he was in very Hitman. miffed, saying, "I'm not some rookie like Rainer. I know my rights. You should be <laughs> ashamed of I... yourselves." <laughs> yeah, he made all superheroes that showed up in Hitman um, uh, look stupid, and that's why he basically used this Section Eight characters that hung out in the bar that Hitman used to frequent to pick up uh, Hitman jobs. Um, Hit jobs. So basically, he would just use them as a backdrop to show how ridiculous superheroes are by making up these ridiculous fucking like stupid superheroes, right? <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that's it, you know, and 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 Bueno Excelente who sneaks sneaks up behind you and rapes you, like that's his yeah. power. <laughs> bueno, bueno, and he's like always sweating, and yeah. like and now and now in this miniseries, he's like banging an alien like creature, like for some reason, like guts. <laughs> There's like she's just guts, so like she's like. In, I raise people. You're into tentacle hentai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's all she is. She's like a sack full of like intestines. Like she's basically just like a an intestinal type creature that he like has sex with somehow. Her <laughs> name is guts. Weird. Yeah, guts. <laughs> and then there is the grappla. Yeah, the grappla. That's that again. That's all he used to say. Like <laughs> that was his line. The grappla. The second so Dull Dweller, uh, Master Bator. <laughs> He's still around, too, in this series. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Garth. The yes. Demon Lord of Criminal Insanity and Caretaker of Noonan's Bar. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically... Um, again, he was the he was the only surviving member of the whole... Uh, he was from uh, Garth Ennis' run on the Demon, uh, Etrigan the Demon. Uh, he first introduced him as one of his uh, Hell uh, Dweller creatures, which he recently also collected in two trades. Um, I'm like a re- I, I, I tracked down and read pretty much like anything that Ennis has read uh, wrote at this point. So I'm a big fan of all this stuff. So um, yeah, big big fan of his ridiculous stuff that he writes. <laughs> mm-hmm. As you could tell, it's you know, and, then, and there's okay. also and then there's also Friendly Fire. Friendly Fire is a man who. Friendly Fire is a man who is the most powerful member of uh, Section Eight. It's just he keeps shooting his teammates. <laughs> I kind of figured that was the case. <laughs> when he tried his hardest to shoot the right target, he's his head exploded. <laughs> this sounds like um, the superhero version of that character from Dirt Gently, who who was like. Taking the shot, sir. Taking the shot at what? I'm taking the shot. I told you to just advise taking the shot. Shut the fuck up! Right, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, you know, I if I had to find a way to describe it, the, the stuff that he does with these guys, though, it's it's to the point where if anybody else tried to do it, and he really comes close, skates really close to the edge of it every time, it's really, really fucking stupid, and like you would, it's almost to the point where you're like, this is just dumb. But he somehow like is able so to basically balance. if it if it weren't for Ennis's sense of humor, this wouldn't work. Absolutely, absolutely. So, like if anybody else tried to do something like this, I probably wouldn't be into it. But I think that he he has a good balance of when where you can tell he's still a, a smart and funny writer, and he actually does a good job of this of you know doing all these ridiculous type tro- like tropes for these heroes and stuff like that. Like so, did Section Eight have its own? Uh, like series before All Star Section Eight came out. Not that I know of. No, they were just they were just background characters in the Hitman series that hung out in uh, Noonan's bar. Okay, because yeah. I these were the first series I, that I know of. Yeah, I just went looking for uh, I just went looking for like a collection of like Section Eight stuff, and the only thing I could find was 
uh, first mini. No, no, was a uh, fucking what is it? God damn it! Uh, All Star Section Eight. Yeah, that was the first one before this one, the Hard Traveling Heroes um, Section Eight. Um, so yeah, this is their first series that the the mini series that he's done uh, for these characters because uh, before that you could only find them in the uh, in the Hitman uh, comics that he did. So uh, oh, dog. Uh, so yeah. Just also as a fun thing, uh, in 1997, uh, readers of Wizard uh, voted Dog Welder the best new character. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I mean, he fucking welds dogs to people. That's that's, that's his power, right? It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. So, DC, <laughs> uh, get to work uh, putting the fucking uh, Hitman books back into print. Are they out of print right now? Uh, looks I like it. Them. Oh, really? That's I mean, unfortunate. Fuck, D- I mean, uh, Gen- Wildstorm's putting Gen 13 back into print. I can't wait to pick that up next year. Yeah, The J. Scott Campbell stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Gen 13 yeah, was all right for a while. Yeah, it's because um, Ellis well, is actually, coming back I mean, to Wildstorm. Speaking of what you were just talking about with Ennis, the original Wildstorm Gen 13 had a lot of the shit from the 90s I hate. Sure. But J. Scott's Campbell and whoever was writing it with him had one of those sense of, senses of humor about what they were talking about that it made it work again. I always and also, that, that might have. I think that might have been the period in the late 90s where DC was pulling itself out of the shitter. Hmm. I always liked Grifter too. He's part of that group, isn't he? Uh, he's a Wildstorm character. Yeah, Grifter's part of Wildstorm, but he's not part of Gen Thirteen. Is he part of Youngblood? No, no. no there's a kid, that's there's image. A, that's, that's image. Yeah, that's image. There's that a image. character in Youngblood that looks like like Grifter. Grifter, but no, right? No, okay. And you would not want to be associated with Youngblood. <laughs> no, no, no. 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 I, uh, the, 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 char- was, the characters in Gen Thirteen still had their eyes. Yeah, I um, he was one of those characters that had a a, a not so good failed series at the launch of the new fifty two. Oh, yeah, he, he was one of some some of those books at the beginning of the new fifteen failed because they and weren't Voodoo. very good, but some of them failed just because DC didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Voodoo was another one of those characters from uh, Wildstorm that they tried to bring back. I remember. Yeah, yeah. but I remember that book. They weren't didn't it's have stripper. any interesting ideas of what to do with that character. No. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, I mean DC. Uh, if you continue letting Garth Ennis write these little minis of these characters, I'll keep buying them at least. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure these can't be selling that well. I, I don't know if there's. You an hear audience that, DC? These... If you yeah. can afford to waste money on <laughs> stupid shit, then keep then keep Garth Ennis a business. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. because again, I, I'm sure that the sales probably aren't high on these, but like, because I, I don't wouldn't know what the audience for these books are, other than probably Garth Ennis fans and or people that remember these characters. But um, but they are fun. I mean, I, I do I do enjoy them. But uh, like you said, they waste money on a lot of other stupid shit. You might as well keep making this because yep. uh, if Garth Ennis is willing to write it, I'm, I'm willing to read them. Also, uh, Gen Thirteen uh, was originally written by I believe. Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. Okay. At but least. J. Scott Campbell did yeah. it at some point, right? No, no, J. Scott Campbell was the illustrator. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, looking at huh. like like Jen, like Caitlin Fairchild, the fucking leader of Gen 13, was created by writers Jim Lee and Brandon Choi and artist J. Scott Campbell. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're releasing all that stuff again because of... Um, Ellis is coming back to Wildstorm. Like yep. he's, he's, yeah. So yeah, War well, yeah, they're trying to bring back Wildstorm because DC discovered that 
merging all of their interesting labels into the main universe was a stupid idea. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hate to say, they they're actually making a few good moves lately. I gotta say, they they are yeah. lately. It yeah, seems like, they, yeah. I, I think they hit. I think they're. I think I, I, I'm scared to say this, but I think Marvel might be on the start of where they're yeah. going to be where DC was a few years ago. Yeah, because yeah, Civil War two basically killed any future for uh, event books or Marvel <laughs> for me. But it's it's printing well, so they're going to keep making them. Yeah, well. So if it, <clears throat> Yeah, Let, let's put it this way. I am not reading for the first time in, like, I can't even remember how long. Uh, I mean, X-Men book, an Avengers book, or the main Spider-Man title. Yeah. Like, that is not good. And that's Marvel to me. Like, those are the characters, like, I come, to, I came yeah, to... Yeah, no, for it's Marvel, it's baby. Because Mar- all, the main, all the main characters in Marvel, I don't give a shit about. It's just the side shit. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's because they're more willing to give chances to people's ideas or maybe creators on those books than the others. But then on the main books, they have uh, it. It just nothing's clicking for me lately. It's very weird. I don't know. It's it's. I don't know what's going on over there. But anyways. it's almost like having their characters be who they're not supposed to be is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anywho. So my turn. Dead man. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty then, moving on to my final book. The Invincible Iron Man. Which is to say Speaking of Civil War Two. Which is to say the Invincible Iron Heart. Ah, uh, Riri. Yep, Riri Williams. A character who was introduced in Invincible Iron Man. I stopped reading the second she showed up. Completely coincidental, by the way. Uh she maybe, then maybe you predicted the future. Uh she then materialized in the middle of Civil War Two. That's right. See you out there on the battlefield. Yeah, that was a great fight. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> yep. Just, just wanted to so. know how important. <laughs> what did you think of this, Dead Man? I thought it was pretty all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Riri... Yeah. She does feel a bit more like if she, she does kind of feel like if Lunella Lafayette was more of a dick. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, yeah. But yeah, it is a it like shows us a it shows us her like starting out being you know an iron person. It shows her going out doing superhero stuff. Uh, it gives her an origin story. She is she comes across as completely like I actually kind of like her. Like we first, like we first showed up when she first showed up in Iron Man. Uh, she was nothing to me. She was just non-entity of a character who just had an Iron Man suit. Mm. But now we get to see her, and we get to see some of what she does. We get to see her like going out there, enjoying being a super person, just like fucking around with her homemade Iron Man suit. Which <sighs> this is something that bugs me, but it shouldn't. And it's the fact that everybody who makes any kind of Iron Man-esque suit has the exact same aesthetic design for the face. Yeah. <clears throat> Other than that, though, I thought it was a pretty good design because it wasn't that advanced. At yeah, this yeah. Point. It, it looked like, it, it looked it, fucking rough. very clunky. It, yeah, yeah. yeah like, it looked like she big. it looked like she 
threw that together using shit she found at a dump. Like there's fucking like all, yeah. like the person who did the design work on it, they put in all right. kinds of like the, like wear and tear on it. It looks like even when it's like flying in, it does have a bit of polish to it, but it is still rough mm. around the edges. Like the face has all kinds of like scratches on it and shit. Right. Well, like even the way the arms were though, where her arms were exposed at one point because yeah. it shot. Like you, I was like, like I was worried when that happened. I'm like, oh shit, your arms are exposed. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it wasn't perfect. Like I like how they. I don't know if that was a conscious effort on Bendis's or the artists, but whoever came up with that, I thought it was a very smart design wise that it wasn't like a perfect like Iron Man suit. Yet. Yeah, yeah. When she, yeah when she uh, shot it, yeah, she, like it was a rocket punch. Yes. She like she like held her fists out, then the fucking like front Iron Man fist just popped off. And you see her two little arms sticking out from her Iron Man suit. Yeah, it's like the guy from uh, Jingle All the Way. <laughs> What's his name? Terrible uh, man. Sin- Sinbad's uh, uh, <laughs> villain. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that thing is. Yeah. But yeah, and I also have to give an incredible amount of props to Stefano Caselli. Yeah artist on this he is like nearing dave marquez level of quality right now it is fucking great that was a guy who was back on spider-man when it was good stuff yeah <laughs> you remember uh I, that's where i last seen him was on i think the slot spider-man he did a bunch of issues of that yeah and so the story is uh it's kind of split between two different uh time periods it is Riri Williams, uh, like learning, like like having her Iron Man suit, going out there learning to do stuff. Uh, she is fight. She fights. Gets her first like real fight against um Animax, a person with the ability to m- make imaginary monsters real. I think. Yeah. I think okay. She, okay. Like, yeah. She, she's able. To, she's able to. Uh, according to this thing, her mutant power allows her to create genetic monsters out of her own DNA extract. Yeah. Yeah, so she just makes like a fuckload of monsters and stuff. Uh, she herself looks like a like a late issue Dark Knight Returns character. She she's like uh, she like comes out in a very low cut like onesie kind of swimming suit looking thing made out of some kind of armor with like thigh high boots with white spiked up hair, two lip piercings, and a nose ring. Also, a red star on her cheek for no reason. And yeah, and then the rest of it is showing uh, Riri as a kid with her friend, uh, her only friend, apparently. Because, yeah, uh, when it starts out, we see Riri as a child, and she is too smart to be a person. Yeah, other kids have a problem relating to her because she's so smart and she basically, yeah, she can't, um, yeah, she doesn't, I wouldn't say not, doesn't get along with people. Uh, she she, she has, can't get along with people because yes, she's too smart. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, like her parents are going to see a psychologist uh, talking to her and he's just like, yeah, so yeah, your kid's acting out. It's because you're too dumb for her. Like, nobody else is on her level, so she can't really connect to people. Yeah. And then one day, a kid shows up and is like, hey, what you building? Oh, just something. Oh, neat. And they're BFFs until she dies in a car accident. Yeah, that was the only part I was like, that felt very... Forced. 
Yeah. It, like, it felt, it yeah, felt like a gang fight in a park. Yeah. It, <laughs> it just like, it, it, very it felt, Punisher. like it, it felt like, it felt like Brian, it felt like Bendis was like writing this out. He spent all this time, like, you know, working on characterization to making her feel like not forced in shoehorned bullshit. And then, and then yeah. he's like, oh, we need an origin story. I know I'll go into fucking superhero origin story file B subsection four a. Yeah, no, Gang I agree. Fight. That was that was my that was my one thing I did not like about this issue was that like that really bugged me the the story of like I would like them for, to move on as soon as possible from that. <laughs> like, or I think he, or, I guess he did as a but. separate thing. Don't kill anybody in the first place. Yeah, let a superhero <laughs> have some living family and friends. Yeah, go the Jaime Reyes route pre. Fucking him well, up. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. They seem to be kind of going that route. Like, uh, like she, yeah. like Riri, is building all this shit in her garage, and her mom knows she's doing it. Yeah. When when fucking Riri gets the goddamn like Tony Stark thing, her mom is there when she turns it on. So it looks like they might be going some of that route, but. Writers. Future writers, current writers, writers. Somebody can be motivated to be a superhero and still have all of their family and friends be alive and healthy. I know this is fucking... I know this is like a fucking out there concept to you. Based on what I've read from beginning from what I've read comics to now. But it's possible to have somebody be a heroic individual wanted to go out and right the wrongs of the world and not have a horrible tragic backstory that's entirely yeah. possible look look at kamala khan yeah i was just thinking of that yeah her honestly fa- what started fucking her up was when they started adding stupid interpersonal drama yeah like in, and again with, with what we talked about jaime reyes he's a guy whose family and friends knew he was a superhero knew he had powers and that book until they fucked it up was great. Like right up until he yeah. fucking beat the reach, that book was fucking stellar. After that, it got less stellar, but was still pretty all right. And then the rebirth happened, and it was just ugh. And before that, it was the new Fifty Two, and that was just ugh. <laughs> yeah. Let people have a large supporting cast that have a long history with the character. That's possible. You can do it. I know you can. I have faith in you, writers of the future. Break ground by having a character who has no dead family members. Be the first person to write a superhero with an incredibly balanced superhero and personal life. Yeah, it wasn't necessary. It was kind of, yeah. It was. I think he, like you said, he could have did without having that. Like that was the one thing I stuck out throughout the issue, where uh, you're just getting to know this character and seeing her in the present day. But then within all that, he also had to throw in this tragic death of two members of her close family and friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was, and so, just, and just I as know. she died, she just went. Why? 
die. Yeah. <laughs> and it was at like a family cookout at a party. Yeah, it was. It was at, like a fucking. It was like a fucking. I don't, I'm not even entirely sure what the fuck happened. It was like, a, like in the background. So, so what was happening was uh, she was talking. Is Riri was talking to her best friend, talking about how talking about her stepdad. You know, stepdad drama, whatever. Yeah, right. And then in the background, it was some dude surrounding a red car, some dude slightly further away from a red car, and that red car is all of a sudden careening out of control. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, so... It was, it was, yeah. Hey, Internet, guess what? Your hate was wrong. My hate was wrong. Everyone's hate was wrong about this book. It's actually pretty good. Well, that's why I made sure that I wanted to try it out and give her a fair shake in terms of like, um, you know, all these books where I feel they're not for me that are coming out of Marvel nowadays. And and I feel that, like you said, you thought you dropped it and she had no place in Iron Man. At the same time, because I was reading that Bendis Iron Man, though, I was like, okay, he's also going to write this character. Okay, maybe I'll check that out. And if that's what they were going for, I guess it worked on me in, in the sense that I didn't really listen to all that internet bullshit. But it doesn't necessarily mean I was going to stick with it or that I enjoyed it. And still, this issue was just okay, in my opinion. Like it was, not, yeah, it, it was, like, it was fine. Yeah, but I'm going to continue. I'm yeah. going to continue. Yeah, with it, it was, yeah. it was a, it was a middling start, but it wasn't a bad start. No, just that part that you mentioned, I didn't like. The, yeah, um, like like that, like yeah. that, like that really brought the issue down. If that wasn't in it, if it was just, hey, this girl's hanging out with her bro, they're just going out being superheroes and hero, heroine and what have you. This issue would be better. It would be. I would. I would even call it good. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, and then there's, of course, if you're going to talk about the big ending there with the Tony. Uh, yes, yeah, so the Tony Stark uh, is yeah. dead or in a coma or up his own butt or whatever. And so, and so he's like, "Hey, the world needs an Iron Man. I'll know. I'll get an Iron Lady and call her Iron Man." And so he sent out a fucking hologram box. She pushes it. It's like, hey, what's up? I've been following you. You're smart. I figure you need an AI because your AI is fucking horse shit. Yeah, Guess so what? Essentially, yeah. Now you're stuck with me in your head. Yeah. Essentially, now he's the Jarvis to her Iron Man. Yeah. Like, if it, they didn't call this Iron Man, though, th- that yeah. that's the dumb thing. Like, It is the invincible Iron Man featuring Rear Williams as Ironheart. It says that on well, the cover they- of the book. <laughs> That's the thing, though. I'm sure that the reason why they did this, that uh, in, uh, this name and infamous Iron Man, Doctor Doom, Iron Man, Iron Man, is because they feel that the books probably wouldn't sell as good if they didn't have the word Iron Man in it, right? Which I agree, it's dumb, but that's probably where they're coming from. It's like the fucking it's like Iron Man Adventures, yeah. Iron Man Adventures, infamous Iron Man Adventures, Ironheart. It's like when they started putting Batman in front of Detective Comics. Like, it's Detective Comics, the milestone book that's been around forever from DC. But no, now it's Batman Detective Comics. Yeah, like Action got, Comics, too. Could, no, but, that, but they found – that the reason they did that, though, is because they found that Detective Comics and Action Comics didn't sell as well because some people may have not identified them as Superman and Batman books. Which is ridiculous, but that's you know that's the case. If someone were to just to see it on the sh- shelf, they may just not know that, right? So I, I you know, that's what that's the thinking I think behind that. But it's, anyway, yeah, yeah. This book was better than Infamous Iron Man. Uh. <laughs> we have differing opinions on Infamous yes. Iron Man. Yes, yes, fair enough. I like them both, uh, but yeah, this was good. 
So yeah, moving on. Uh, Birdie, anything else from you? Yeah, one last thing. I forgot to talk about this last time, and I wanted to actually read over it a little bit more before I talked about it. Alters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is that is this the image? Is it an image book? or? No, this is an Aftershock book. Okay, no, I don't know about this. This is the one that you said that, uh, yeah, yeah, when we were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, the main character sees himself as being, to quote him, in the middle lane of three big changes in his life, and he's going to crash somewhere. Because, so, in this hmm. world, uh, people have just started spontaneously altering their own their their material their genetic material has been spontaneously altering in different fantastical ways and at first it was fairly mundane like someone becomes super smart or they have like some basic telekinetic abilities or can fly then one guy's genetic material changed so much that he turned into antimatter <laughs> that's a bit extreme yeah and blew up a few blocks. But um, uh, after that, at some point, a altar by the name of Matter Man sort of declared himself king and uh, orchestrator of the altars, and anyone who comes into contact with an altar must send them to be submitted to his rule, or they risk destruction and kill and death at his hands and the hands of his gang of altars. So, kind, not quite a Magneto bad guy, because from the looks of it, he doesn't want to wipe out humans. He just wants them to leave him in control of the most powerful beings in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. And he demonstrates... Oh, so the story starts when we see a new altar, uh, a woman, from the looks of it, flying through the air, and the a group of good altars led by the world's first altar, who's also the world's smartest man, show up attempting to get her into custody and out of contact with the with Matter Man, before she comes into contact with Matter Man. Um, she's having too much fun flying and using her abilities which seem to suggest it's not clear what her powers are yet just that she can somehow control quantum matter so i don't Hmm. know what that means exactly it means shut up (laughs) i'm powerful (laughs) yeah but she's she's having too she's having too much fun with her powers so she disappears uh we see this character again a few panels later turns out she's a guy or rather um a transgender guy who's going through transition to become fully a woman, like going through hormone therapy and everything, but hasn't told his parents or his brothers yet. That seems like a thing that's hard to keep under wraps. Yeah. He even says himself, now that I've started the therapy, I've got maybe a week or two before they're going to notice some very obvious changes. So... I've got to tell them at some point, but my dad's kind of a bigot. Not like not not like super bigoted, but like in that kind of I've never had to deal with anyone other than white heterosexual people, so I'm just kind of yeah. Just myth. I ain't got no problem with damn fucking queers or whatever, so long as they don't come near me. Yeah, 
And he also has the problem of his his older brother's a dick, and his younger brother uh, suffers from cerebral palsy. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, so his that's... family's got enough problems without him having yeah. to explain. Hey, um, I'm becoming a woman. Yeah, that's something you say. Like that's something you like. You just kind of like, throw in at the end of like, hey, I'm going away for a weekend or whatever. By the way, when I come back, I'll have tits. Bye. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm going to go pick up some milk. I'm going to dick cut off. Okay, see you later. <laughs> and so uh-huh. this this does sound like an interesting idea. It's just the way they describe this book in the solicitation is very annoying to me. In what way? So there, so there is a – so this book is a – I'm just going to run down you know, the creative team on it. It is written by Paul Jenkins, uh, drawn by uh, Layla Lays, or Lila Lies, or whatever. I'm not sure how you pronounce the name, sorry. Uh, Tamara Bonvillain is the colorist. Uh, Ryan Hill is letterer, and then Brian Stelfreeze is regular cover artist. Okay. They just, and then in the solicitation, there is a paragraph uh, describing the world and how everything works. And then, and then at the end of it, there's a paragraph uh, describing the main story of this person and them being whatever. And then just in the middle of it is from a diverse team of creators composed of differing genders, gender identities, ethnic backgrounds, and sexual orientation comes a groundbreaking first ever superhero series with a central transgender protagonist created by a mainstream writer. Okay, yeah, I see how that could be annoying and... I will put out, point out that other books have already had the transgender thing happen. <coughs> Jim and the Holograms. <coughs> yep. Right. But oh, yeah, also it, it's a just, hero. The it, 2001 it, reboot of Dial H for Hero, where a man gets turned into a female superhero. Yeah. Oh, 2001. No, I thought you were talking about the... Um, or 2002. Uh, H-E-R-O. No, that's not... I'm thinking of Dial H. Never mind. Oh, Dial H as well, also. That did happen in that, right? Yeah, yeah that happened in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got turned yeah. into a lady for a bit. Uh, he got turned into a dog, I think. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I can see why that annoys oh, you. Oh, 2003. But... Sorry. Hmm. Yeah. But the thing... But again, the central conceit that I kind of like about this book is that the main character... Part of the reason they become a masked costume superhero with a name and everything is that they don't they, because they haven't fully undergone hormone therapy yet. The main character still feels uncomfortable in their own skin, so the only time he ever feels comfortable is when he dresses like a woman and presents himself as a woman superhero. Yeah, that's an idea. Yeah. That is that, that's a decent idea for a fucking superhero book. Yeah, and so given the powers of this new altar, uh, Matter Man quickly figures out of his, her existence, and um, basically he releases this wonderfully, not wonderfully, but grotesque uh, television ad saying, look, if you do not submit this new altar to me immediately, I'm going to keep doing this to people. And he says, hey, I found this random guy. He was just working at some random factory job. Don't know who he is or his family are, but he's going to serve as an example. He forces his back jaw through the back of his head. Ugh. Tasty. <laughs> Fuck. 
So, given that this was televised and that the main character is not a heartless prick, uh, he goes to the other superpowered alters that don't work for uh, Matter Man in his new disguise, as his codename is Chalice. Uh, not the best name, but whatever. Uh, it's, it's a first draft name. This is this is their yeah. first time going out being a superhero. Got yeah. other shit going on. Doesn't really have time to sit down. It's like, hey, what should my superhero name be? Chalice. You know, I'll think about that while I'm getting fucking estrogen shoved up my dick or whatever. However however the the transition works. Yeah, so the main character presents herself as a a costumed identity to the other non-alters that don't work for Matter Man. Essentially, he's like, look, I don't trust you to be able to protect me, but I do know that the longer I'm out here and the longer Matter Man is out here, the more people are going to die, so I might as well help you. That seems to be the operating premise of the main character, although it will be interesting because there's two issues out now and there's five coming at least. It will be interesting to see how this creative team deals with that kind of a transition. And mm. the, the art's actually really good for um, a company that I'm not really all that familiar with. I know some talented people have worked there before, yeah. like uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti did a book for them. Mark Wade, go ahead, yeah, uh, Azarello. Yeah, so it's clearly not. It might just be an imprint of some other company. I don't know, but um, no, I think I think it's its own independent company. They just started up a, a couple checking. years ago. I think, as far as I know, it's just uh, it's run. I think by an editor that used to work at DC or Marvel. I think DC. Yeah. Probably a lot of those people who start their own. It's like I can't work with DC. I Just fuck yeah. these people. I want to have my own goddamn shit. Well, the thing is that they're, those guys are smart if they do that because then they already have made connections with these writers while working for DC. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's easier to bring people over. So Abstract Comics looks like it is its own thing. Okay. It was co-founded by Mike Martz and Joe Pruitt. Martz, yeah, he's, I think, the editor. Uh, yeah, to. he's the editor-in-chief. But he used to be an editor, I think, somewhere previously. Uh, yeah, yeah he, was also, he was also an editor on uh, Batman, X-Men, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, Joe Pruitt is an Eisner Award-winning comic editor, publisher, and writer who has worked on uh, Negative Burn at Caliber Comics, uh, X-Men Unlimited, Wolverine, and Wolverine Cable. Uh, he founded Desperado Publishing. Yeah. So anyway, I am looking forward to how this book plays out. Oh, and then I, just final thing. It, it was also co- there was three co-founders: Martz, Pruitt, and Lee Kramer. All right. So, so not bad, uh, Bertie. No, no, not bad. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's an issue or two with uh, wonky art. The artist is not all that good at uh, subtle expressions in the face. But other than that, no, pretty good. Nice. All right. So maybe I'll check that out. Uh, is the trade out yet or no? It's only been two no, issues? No, no, it's only two issues. It's gonna, it, the okay. trade's not going to be out for a while. Okay. All right. Uh, so, yeah, on to my last book here. Uh, there were six man. goddamn co-founders for this company. I keep really? missing them. <laughs> it's kind of like a, like an image thing almost then. Yeah, Martz, Pruitt, <laughs> Kramer, uh, John Kramer, like- uh, Jawad oh. Qureshi, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, dude, and Michael Richter. 
All editors, I guess. Uh, looking at it, da, 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 uh, no, Lee Kramer is a uh, film production and and development executive. Oh, maybe he's the one that uh, clears the pitches then. Yeah, John uh, like, Kramer is a entertainment entrepreneur. Uh, hmm. yeah, uh, Jawad uh, Qureshi is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur and investor. So just uh, a couple of editors and a bunch of guys with money, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's pretty much what it is. Just some editors and dudes who have money. Cool. Like, hey, well, we, want a, hey, we want a comic company that can rival these fuckers. Do you guys know about comics, right? I, yeah, probably. We worked like fucking 100 years together. I uh, yeah. just recently read the first trade American Monster by Ezrael out by them, and uh, yeah, it, it was also pretty good. So um, if they're putting out some good yeah. stuff, then that's cool. If, so, if, if they're starting, let's move on. This we're yeah. getting close to three hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I was gonna. Um, all right, so I'm just gonna wrap up uh, this quickly, uh, very quickly. Old Man Logan number fourteen. Um, after talking about uh, some of the shittier Jeff Lemire superhero work for Marvel last week with. Um, Thanos, which was not, it was okay issue, and uh, I, I talked about how I don't like his extraordinary X Men. This is the only semi, not main book, but X Men related book I'm currently reading. Old Man Logan uh, by Jeff Lemire, which is uh, actually been pretty good throughout. Uh, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. This recent issue is the start of a new arc, which I wanted to mention because it's very fun. Uh, Old Man Logan, um, he. Um, he basically gets uh, is told that Jubilee is uh, missing, and he gets teleported to wherever her um, like where she is currently located um, by the Sentinel. They they got they set up a I think it was Bishop who basically reconfigured a Sentinel for them in Extraordinary X Men, the uh, Je- other Jeff Lemire book, um, where the Sentinel is pretty much like good, like it helps them, it actually helps the team and stuff. So he shows up and he tells him Jubilee's missing, and he asks him to teleport her, him to ask uh, him to teleport him to where she would be. And basically, he teleports him, he ends up in the middle of some sort of forest, and who comes along but the Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is all the supernatural characters um, like, you know, Manphibian, Werewolf by Night, uh, Mor- Morbius, for some reason, Hitmonkey, and, uh, <laughs> and, For uh, some reason. If you're making a team, would you not put Hitmonkey on it? No, listen, that's cool that he's on there, but he doesn't really, I don't think he mixes with these other guys. I mean, he works for, I guess he works on the team, but it's, he's not a supernatural character like these other guys. Dude, like, he's, he's a monkey like a, with a gun. Uh, listen, that shit is fucking magical. <laughs> I like him, but I just don't feel like he's he works on the team. I'll let's give it. I'll give you that. Man, things on the team, and uh, Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, uh, yeah, f- yeah. Fucking like, yeah. Oh yeah, we'll get the fucking like Monster Hunter and the fucking Swamp Things pubic hairs, and then we'll fucking diss on Hitmonkey. <laughs> oh, sorry, I hit a nerve there with your fucking Hitmonkey love. I, I'm aware he was, you know, a big Deadpool character for. I am a there, big but... fan of Hitmonkey, as it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's cool. I, I get it. We I learn I learn new things about myself every week on this show. <laughs> so, Hit Monkeys on the team, <laughs> which yeah, is great. He is. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, um, and basically, they are uh, hunting Dracula, <laughs> and uh, and sure. they're, yeah, so they're in the middle of the um, woods. They're in a war against uh, the vampires and Dracula. And and then kind of he shows up. Logan's like, you know, what the hell are you guys doing around here? I'm looking for someone. And they explain that they're um, involved in an ongoing war between 
Dracula and vampires, and all of a sudden they look up, and you see uh, Dracula's castle amongst uh, on top of a cliff, a cliff, and at the top, and 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 they're like, oh, I guess uh, we're all going in together then, because uh, people that are fans of the X Men or, or or not may remember Jubilee is a vampire, so apparently Dracula has stolen Jubilee for some reason. What about Jubilee's <laughs> kid? Uh, Shogo? Yeah, he's actually in this issue as well. He's uh, being taken care of uh, by uh, the Sentinel. Logan left the Sentinel with Shogo because no one else was there to take care of him. <laughs> okay, just making sure they so, remember that kid. I like that yes, kid. They, yeah, 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 they did. Yeah, he's so he's, so they go to her house first before they venture off. I, I forgot to mention, and Shogo's there. And he leaves it with the Sentinel. He's like, oh, you're in charge of this baby. And the Sentinel's like, I don't know how to take care of a baby. <laughs> He's just, just like, don't well, kill it. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, And this is, yeah, you said this is Old Man Logan, right? Yeah, from 14. So I, I love these characters, these, um, these, these, uh, you know, creature characters, like the supernatural ones. And, um, so it was just a lot of fun for me. And at the end of the issue, uh, Logan sneaks into Dracula's castle as the other, uh, howling commandos are fighting the, uh, horde of vampires outside of the castle. And uh, he comes face to face with Dracula, who comes in for a bite of his neck uh, on the last uh, page of the uh, of the issue, and and he finds Jubilee, but she's under Dracula's uh, trance, like spell, right now. Like she doesn't really know what you know what she's doing. Yeah. So, but uh, Dracula so, yeah. is for surprise when he learns that Wolverine is vampire proof. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Tune I like in these next characters. week for more wacky adventures with <laughs> Logan and friends in a funny name that I can't think of. <laughs> Yeah, so the name of the arc is actually called Monster War. So, <laughs> so that's basically what it is. Uh, uh, good art, uh, fun story, and uh, just a great departure. And uh, I like Lemire writing these characters because it reminds me of his time, his short-lived time on the Frankenstein Agent of Shade series, which I was also a big fan of. And I, I, I like when he writes these uh, kind of characters. So, yeah, so good, uh, good issue. Old Man Logan, 14. If you haven't been reading this, uh, maybe even jump on for this arc. You don't really need to know anything uh, that's come prior towards uh, this issue to enjoy it. Okay, then. So, yeah. Moving on to my final book, The Goddamned. Yes. Goddamn. Goddamn. So, I be- this is the final issue, right? No, I mean, it's continuing, but it was so fucking delayed like this whole time, and it's going to be delayed again in the new year. Okay, so this is, this is the end of the arc. With Noah. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, so yeah uh, Kane and Lodo's mom break into, uh, break into, uh, you know, Noah's compound. Uh, they are, they are just kind of hanging out. They're just kind of like going in there to get Lodo, get out. Uh, then, you know, they, they get found and they have to, if they get found, they have to, uh, you know, fight their way out. Uh, some big fucker who I who uh, is the son of an angel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he eats he eats one of Kane's arms. Turns out yeah. Kane can still control his body parts after they've been cut off, and so he kills him from the inside. <laughs> yeah, he's like you stupid fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't you understand? Like, he like just what's regenerates. The, yeah. like, what's the matter? Yeah. Something stuck in your throat? Yeah, that's my hand, shithead. <laughs> just surprise, cockfag. Yeah, so then there's a big revolt because all this shit happening. Uh, the leader of the Bone Boys uh, gets killed, trampled to death, while all his all of his little shit bitches run away. <laughs> it's a brutal book, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, trust me, we'll get brutal. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So all this happens. Uh, Noah is killing his way through. Uh, then King goes up, uh, kills Noah after taking a stone axe to the testicles, and then holds the te- and then holds the knife with his testicles. Kills him. Everything is fine. Everything is good and safe and stuff. Uh, Lodo and his mom are saved. They are free. Uh, everyone under King's control is free. And then, and then, he, and then uh, the mom is like, "Hey, Kane, let us come with you. It'll be great. You can just hang us out. We'll be family." And then Kane's like, "Yeah, sure." And then Lodo stabs his mom in the neck and says, "What's up, shit bitches? I'm the leader of the Bone Boys. Fuck all of you." Yeah, I did not see that coming. Yeah, that neither did I. Something worth noting, too, because uh, the book's been majorly delayed. Uh, uh, there was, a, I remember, there was a time where, uh, previous to this, he had asked, the kid had asked for his help in order to help out his mom and him and his family. Yeah, yeah. And against all, like, what was, like, what he felt, he, he said, no, he's like, no, I, I'm not helping you. That was, like, in the first or second issue. He's like, you're on your own. And he comes back, and he actually saves them in, in this situation. And then when he, you feel everything's good, nope. Yep, just <laughs> stab. Like, we, we get a hint of it. Like like when he says, hey, yeah. like he says, hey, Lord, tell him thank you. He's like, a bone boy never says. And then it's like, no, no, I should be thanking you. And then, psing, making me weak. All this shit. And then, yeah, he's screaming at everybody from Kane's old tribe. Like, hey, ask me if you want the bone boys. The answer is no, you fucking shit bitches. Then the rain begins. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a book for the faint of heart, that's for sure. I like this book a lot. I enjoy fucked up religious retellings. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's the one problem, like I said, is the delay on it. Yeah, delay and and trade. The artwork isn't terrific. It's definitely gotten better over the issues, but it's still there are better grungy artists out there. Yes, well put, actually, yeah. <laughs> I agree, I agree. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. That's what we're reading, then. On the news. Uh, so, uh, we have creative teams and shipping info and stuff for a bunch, uh, well, for two of the new main X-Men-ish, X-Men books. X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Because, you know, they're, X-Men are important. Right? That's a thing. Anyway, X-Men Gold. That will be written by Mark Guggenheim with art by um, Ardian Saif. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. And it'll be a team made up of uh, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Old Man Logan, and Rachel Gray with Kitty Pride serving as team leader. X-Men Blue, on the other hand, will be uh, written by Cullen Bunn with art by uh, Jorge Molina. And we'll have the team of Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, and Angel led by Magneto. Huh. Yeah, well, okay, okay, not led, uh, I guess. Okay, uh, Jean Grey will be, I guess, leading the team with uh, Magneto serving as their Xavier. 
like advising her then yeah yeah as a mentor figure according to comic according to cbr yeah i don't know i can't say i'm excited for any of these uh initial teams that they're putting on these books either uh, like the teams are fine it's just they're the x-men well (laughs) i'm looking to enjoy an x-men book out of uh, the one person out of all three of us (laughs) but I uh, no, look, I've enjoyed an X Men book before. Like X Men have no, had don't. some fine books. It's just, it's a modern day X Men book. Yeah, I mean, did you guys see that Jonathan Hickman's tweet about stop writing X Men books? <laughs> I did actually. He's like, I know other writer friends that have. Here's my word of advice: don't <laughs> <laughs> writer f- writer friends. Don't let yeah. writer friends write X Men yeah. books. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. I mean, well, during his time at Marvel, um, Fraction, Brubaker, they all took stab at the X Men. All failed in fans' eyes in terms of the reviews. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read those guys' runs on X Men, and those are both good writers. So it's it's funny that the one person I think in recent times that's got it right, at least for me, was uh, Jason Aaron. With the yeah. Wolverine and the X Men. Oh yeah, that, that was the last really great X Men book. Yeah, yeah, I think from that. Yeah, that, I loved that book. Yeah, it, it also he, it also helped that Nick Bradshaw was there, fucking just bringing absolutely art. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But I, I is Jason yeah. Aaron just that guy that Marvel calls in when they're desperate? Basically, there is, that's his. That's their best writer, I think, at this point. Like a lot of their other big name people have left. Like, all you basically have for big-name writers from back in the day are him and Bendis to some extent, if you want to still call him a big name. Like, that's it. Like, really. Like, Fraction left, Brubaker left, uh, Karen Gillan left, Remender left. Lemire? Well, no, no, Lemire's still there. Lemire's there now. Oh, yeah, he's a big... He'll be be gone in, like, a year. Yeah, well, Lemire's like working for six different publishers, so it doesn't really count. Yeah, yeah, uh, Lemire. Lemire is not exclusive. Lemire is not a Marvel writer. He is a comic writer. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, he's he can he is an artist slash writer, so he's always going to have another um, place to work. You know what I mean? Like, if not, he'll do his own thing. Yeah, like he doesn't need to be dependent on them. So, yeah. So anyway, X Men Blue and X Men Gold will be both shipping by. Will both be shipping twice monthly. Meaning, Ugh. meaning we will be getting basically every week we'll be getting a brand new X Men book. This better not be the sign of them fucking doing that like DC does now with all their books double shipping because they already double ship on and off enough, and their po- price point is still higher than DC. Yeah, like it's three ninety nine an issue, not two ninety nine. They will be debuting. Both books will be debuting April of next year as part of Marvel's ongoing Resurrection event initiative. Which I don't know too much about, except that I'm pretty sure it's just Marvel realizing that the Inhumans can't sell shit, so we might as well bring the X-Men back after fucking them for a year and a half. Yeah, I think whoever at the top really liked the Inhumans is finally out of power, because pretty much all the big Inhumans projects, Marvel is finally saying, no, fuck it, we're not doing anything with the Inhumans. (sighs) What one more quick final thing? I don't know if you guys remember. That is one of the main reasons why Matt Fraction left Marvel. You know that, right? Like that was the Inhuman thing. 
He was supposed to be the writer on that fucking Inhumanity series that just started all this fucking shit, I remember. And he wrote one issue, and then he fucking left. Because <laughs> 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 he was supposed to, they announced it, it was a big press release, it was following his run, his highly acclaimed run on Hawkeye. And and then they're like, oh, Matt Fraction's going to be the architect of this whole new Inhuman series. I, I I recall this happening. And then he did like one or two issues of it, and then and then he, and that was it. And then he and then he, I don't think he's written for Marvel since then. Think uh, smart fucking guy for leaving. Like, because yeah, I would not want to be the architect. And then Charles Soule came over from DC. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck. Anywho, <laughs> fucking idiots. Moving along to our next piece of news. There is a new digital streaming service called Hoopla. Ooh. Hoopla is a free service uh, that offers movies, music, TV series, ebooks, and more. There's an app on all this stuff. And, yeah, like I said, it is entirely free. Uh, it's free to the reader. Uh, subscriptions are available through public libraries, enabling people to borrow items digitally for a temporary period of time. Uh, libraries pay the fee. Library readers do not. Uh, and there are a bunch of DC books in there, including their entire Rebirth lineup. Oh wow! Yeah, so I am. So I'm looking at their. I'm looking at uh, some of the Hoopla lineup right now. Uh, we got uh, Flashpoint. Uh, bun- we got the Flashpoint Paradox, a bunch of the Earth One things. Uh, the complete set of Hush. A few volumes of the new Batman book. Uh, Killing Joke, Wonder Woman, Earth One, new Suicide Squad stuff. A bunch of the Injustice stuff. Gotham Academy, Long Halloween, Dark Knight. Huh. Yeah, and all of them is just, you click a button, you you click a button to borrow, you sign up for an account. Nice. All kinds of shit. We get them, and you get them for a certain amount of time. I'm not sure how long that is. This is all, I haven't spent spent a whole lot of time looking into this service yet. But if this is what I think it is, then... This is kind of what that Comixology Unlimited thing was supposed to be. Right. Like the Netflix of comics. Huh. Like nice. they like they have like looking at it, they have I think all of Invincible on here. Oh wow. You said this is through a library? Uh yeah, it's from uh, Hoopla. Uh, you can go to hoopladigital.com. That's H-O-O-P-L-A-Digital.com uh, to find this. And yeah, the big news is that DC is going to be releasing their entire Rebirth line. Uh, the schedule, ah. as it stands right now, uh, for some of their for like, like some of their uh, first issues. Uh, so they've already released uh, the DC Universe Rebirth, Rebirth Deluxe Edition uh, issue. Uh, and then uh, in January, uh, it will be the first volumes of Green Lantern, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, The Flash, Justice League, Nightwing, and Green Lanterns. In February, it'll be uh, Detective Comics, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, Wonder Woman, and Superman Action Comics. And then in March, it will be Suicide Squad, Titans, Deathstroke, Harley Quinn, Batgirl, and Cyborg. And those are all the first trades. Wow, for free. Huh. According to this. That's surprising. Yeah, it is. Not sure I believe it. Yeah, because yeah, like... It, 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 yeah, it feels too good to be true. 
Because it seems like that would impact majorly their digital sales, as well as just people wanting to buy the trades physically. Like, if they can just read it for free. Like, I know people pirate it a lot, too, but, like, that seems like it yeah, would be... Yeah, really- this, this is essentially them doing what a lot of, comp- what, like, a lot of like, other industries have done. In that we know we can never stop piracy. Let's just give them an right. let's give them a better alternative, which is a library on your phone. Huh? Like it's not a bad idea. Like like still like still like, no. still, like get the money for them books. It's just like the libraries pay. Right. And it also is kind of an idea to like revitalize libraries. Yeah. I'll have to look into this more myself. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So then, moving on to our next piece of news uh, that I probably should have, whatever. Uh, Jean Grey is getting her first ongoing series. It'll be a complete solo series for Jean Grey. Hmm. Written by Dennis Hopeless. Oh, okay. Uh, along with uh, Victor Ibanez on art. Yeah. And it's going to be about the Phoenix Force. Ugh. Speaking with Newsarama, Hopeless said, It's sort of a Trials of Hercules story. Jean gets a premonition of sorts. She's told the Phoenix is back in play and that Earth is doomed unless Jean Grey can step up. Unfortunately, the Jean Grey we have is a wildly unprepared teenager. Our Jean needs to level up in a hurry. She needs to step into those huge shoes and become the full-grown badass we all know she will, we all know she will eventually. That's not what that story was, though. <laughs> Hijinks ensue. <laughs> so she straps in and heads out to get some life experience. Based nice. on what I know of the original Phoenix Saga, uh, it's not so much she straps in as straps on. Because from what I from what I've read, it's oh, she's a good girl, and then she turns into a fucking dominatrix, and then the fire Jesus. And then dies. <laughs> you know, badass. Nice. Anyway, and then final piece of news. Uh, this is comic TV news. Uh, but the CW has confirmed to comicbook.com that Mr. Mixus Spitlick will be appearing on Supergirl in 2017. Well, that could be either good. Is Gilbert Gottfried going to voice him? <laughs> if only. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be kind of great, but I have a feeling that they're going to make Mixus spit like hot. What? It's really? What, it's what they do. They, they fucking put, On a CW. Yeah, yeah CW. It's CW. Yeah. They put Ted Grant in there and made him young enough that it wouldn't be weird if one of the characters fucked him. Yeah, and then they, murdered him. <laughs> CW dies him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it would have been great if Ted Grant... If, like, fucking Green Arrow was out there doing his best Batman, and all of a sudden some dude in a fucking cat mask showed up and beat the shit out of him and said, you fucking, you, you fucking whippersnappers ain't doing it right. <laughs> right. If they got fucking Wildcat in there, but no, they got some fucker who was in The Walking Dead for, like, five episodes, I think, and said, hey, your name is Ted Grant. Now go I fuck Laurel. They like, oh, it have to be her. Yes, it does. Ugh. Well, don't worry. She's dead, but unfortunately, she's coming back. But don't worry. You don't have to watch Arrow, because Arrow is garbage. I haven't since, I think, the third season. Uh, However, that Invasion episode thing, not bad. The the crossover, yeah. It was okay. 
Anywho, that's good for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in 2017. Yay! With a brand new episode of the DestoProds.com comic book podcast. Uh, we'll be coming back for that on uh, January 4th. This is when the episode's coming out. Uh, well, first, episode, first show back will be the Anything Cast on January 1st. Then after that, we'll be getting back into the regular swing of things with the next comic episode on January 4th, 2017. Uh, we are going on our traditional end-of-year break. From the 18th to the 31st. And yeah, we'll be wrapping up uh, this week. And then next week will be the final week of podcasts. Uh, we'll also be, we'll still be posting out the, the uh, Let's Watches for uh, the last two weeks during our break. But no articles, no real videos, no other podcasts. Just those Let's Watches. And then we will be getting back to the full swing of things in 2017. But in between... Now, and the end of our run for this year, we'll be having the regular run news, maybe reviews, podcasts. Ow! Kinds of bullshit, but. Until then, I'm the dead man. <sighs> and I'm Birdie. Uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm Nico. And we'll see you guys in 2017. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>